Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Spate of homeless deaths makes the front of this morning's uh, echo. Um, a spate of deaths amongst Cork's uh, homeless community during lockdown, sparking fresh calls for the government to take action. Uh, it's a story that uh, involves Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinners, who knows better than most uh, the struggles of people who are homeless, particularly those that are homeless with addiction problems um, and struggling to cope and indeed even struggling to use the services that would have been there for them under n- more normal times. Um, but it's a front page on the Echo today, spate of homeless deaths and others then just party. Uh, I mean, it's amazing the world we live in, the haves and the have-nots. Now, in English, in the Examiner this morning talks about broken beer bottles, cigarettes, disposable barbecues, tents, chairs... Uh, all being abandoned on beaches after beach parties. They just stand up and stagger off and leave all of their junk behind them. And they're putting themselves at risk, of course, being so close to the water and issues like that and drowning and overdosing and things like that. But also, from an environmental perspective, it's just disgusting. It's a disgrace, actually. It's a total disgrace. Papers also talked today of um, Barry Cowan. Um, and it was practice, he was saying, for people to drive on multiple L-plates for years. I don't know. Nobody asked him, I think, as to whether he actually had L-plates up on his car or not. But long-term L-drivers are gaming the system. And uh, he was just one of 37,000 other drivers that are on their fourth or subsequent learner's permit. I'd love one of you guys to explain to me, how does that work like? Do you just, are you just allow to renew and renew and renew your provisional license. Uh, mind you, he did apologize in the in the doll last night. Um, and we also learned that um, okay, so he was he was God for drink driving. He uh, also was driving on a provisional license at the age of forty nine. Uh, don't know whether he had L plates up. He was also done for speeding three months before it, and it now turns out that Barry Cowan was also done for uh, not having a tax disc in his car some years back. Now he's saying failing to display a tax disc, which is kind of code for not having any tax disc, or maybe even, in some cases, driving without motor tax. But Michael Martin is denying that Fianna Fáil are back with their cute whore politics. It's a story from the Irish Times, because that's dogged Fianna Fáil, who for years round the wagons and mind their, mind their own. At least that's the accusation against them. And this seems to be the case here with Barry Cowan. But Miel Martin is denying that Fianna Fáil is back to the old days of the cute whore politics. But it's interesting when you look at politicians because Miel Martin has a state car and drivers. Uh, the Taunishta also has a state car and drivers, which are really over um, so does the Justice Minister, I think the DPP, judges, the President, they all, they're the kind of people that have state cars. But so does Simon Coveney. Um, he's the Foreign Affairs Minister, but he no longer is Taunishta, but he holds on to his state car and to his guard Shikona drivers, which is kind of interesting because he was the one that previously criticised Fianna Fáil for the Mercs and Ministers. He gave Fianna Fáil the label Mercs and Ministers and here he is himself with a Merc as a Minister. So, uh, rather ironic, isn't it? Be careful what you say. It can come back to haunt you, lads, huh? There's about uh, three quarters of a million people now have downloaded the COVID-19 tracker app on its first day. I didn't get to the story yesterday. I will today. So more on that in a few minutes' time. And also the papers tell you that uh, private hospitals now um, are charging €275 just to let you in the front door. It's a COVID-19 
test that you have to give or take uh, at all private hospitals. So that would mean that the Matter Hospital in Cork, the private hospital, uh, won't see you, won't let you in, won't do anything with you. That's my understanding. Until you take the test. It's €275, which seems quite expensive for a test, even with lab costs involved. But they say you should get it back from your private health insurer. Now, we don't know for certain because neither VHI nor Leia have come out and said, well, we will, or, you know, we will pay it. So you have to pay them first and they hope to get it back from VHI or from Leia. So more on that, particularly if you've had to pay it. That's the deal. I mean, why is it so expensive? It seems like a lot of money to me. Uh, also, the papers this morning talk about parents taking children on holidays abroad could re- could jeopardise reopening of schools. Uh, again, still nothing sorted with regards to whether or not the schools will open at the back end of August. And of course, Johnny Depp's court case with the ex-wife. He's suing the Sun newspaper. Uh, and uh, many of the papers carry it, particularly the Red Tops, the, exam- or the uh, Mirror this morning, talks about Johnny Depp who claims that his ex-wife sliced off his fingertip by hurling a vodka bottle at him in a violent rage. Johnny Depp took to the stand yesterday and you know something, he's going to be on the stand for a few days yet by all accounts. And then from the English Times from yesterday, this is um, uh, a CAD. CAD. I think you would call this guy a CAD, although it's a lot more serious than giving him a name like that. He's a serial con man by the name of Richard Robinson. He groomed vulnerable women, widows, most of them, and convinced them um, on three different occasions. He got women to sell their houses and he took their money. And he almost got a fourth woman to sell her house, except that she was tipped off by the police who were investigating him at the time. Hundreds of thousands of euro he managed to take from these uh, um, very lonely and very vulnerable women. He cheated them. Um, he would promise to marry them. Um, and, you know, then he would set the wheels in motion to bleed their bank accounts dry. And when everything was gone from the bank account, sell their house. He's got jail in the UK now, 10 years, and he deserves every day of it. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Okay, lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I didn't get to this yesterday, so we're going to start with it this morning because it's important. It's the new uh, COVID app which you can download download on your phones. I did it yesterday. It's quite straightforward. You can follow it. You can opt in as to whether you give them your mobile number or not. But you have to turn on your location. You have to turn on Bluetooth. And then it tracks you and those you come in contact with it. Um, it's fairly straightforward. But will it work? Adrian Weckler is the Irish Independence tech expert. He's joined us in the past and again this morning. Adrian, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Will I've, I've heard you talk at length, actually, on, on radio and television the last few days. You're a busy, busy lad, but will this work and how will it work? It should work. Um, it has, and actually it's up to a million downloads now in the first 24 hours, which is kind of incredible. I've yeah. never seen an app downloaded so quickly. What it basically does is uh, sends out little uh, Bluetooth signals to other phones which also have the app installed. And the idea is that it stores these this collection of signals between these phones for 14 days. Now, if you or I or somebody else with the app installed, if we separately go and get a COVID-19 test and if we test positive, we can now um, inform other people who are in close proximity with us through the phones, i.e. the phones detected the proximity, um, by entering a code and the phone, our phone will anonymously send a message to all those other phones saying, by the way, you were in close proximity within two meters for 15 minutes 
of somebody who has just tested for COVID, positive for COVID-19, maybe you should get a test. Okay, okay. And then um, you uh, go and get a test, and if you're yeah. positive, you're in the mix, and then everybody, that's what Track and Trace is all about, yeah, isn't that's it? That's basically what Track and Trace is about, yeah. It's, it's about trying to um, alert people uh, that they may themselves have been in that sort of 15 minutes within two metres of somebody, maybe it's on a bus, you know, maybe it's in a cafe, maybe it's standing in a queue, um, but but that's the basic idea of the contact and trace, yeah, okay. the, the contact track wrap, yeah. And, and all, all, you know, always there are holes knocked in it and there are holes in this in the sense that particularly the elderly who don't have smartphones, mm. they can't get this app, can they? Yeah, there, there are a couple of holes, there, there are a couple of barriers and drawbacks to it. I'm not sure if they're major ones. The one that you just referred to is arguably the biggest challenge in that it doesn't work on very old smartphones. What I mean by that is that if you have an iPhone 6 or an iPhone 5 or a 5S or a 5C, or if you have an old Android phone that runs what they call Android 6, an operating system, you probably wouldn't know know that off the top of your head. But if you have either of those vintage phones, it won't work. If you have an iPhone 6, for example, it will download, but it just won't do the contact tracing. You need an iPhone 6S or up, or you need an Android 7 uh, model or up. So typically that's a phone that's under five years old. So there's nothing can be done about that. Like, I mean, I know elderly people have Nokias, for instance. They're the most vulnerable, but yet they can't get the app. No, and that's the problem. It's about one in 10 phones uh, that are operational in Ireland at the moment. But as you suggest, it probably is disproportionately... um, uh, there's a disproportionate mix there of people who might be elderly, who might be the most vulnerable, ironically, to the, That's right. uh, to the COVID-19. Uh, what's, what's close contact then when they say, mm. listen, you could, you, there's a chance or you were near somebody. What, what do they mean? How close? So the definition, the formula that they use is within six feet, six feet two metres uh, for 15 minutes. Right. 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 So now here... The actual technology that the phones use isn't absolutely perfect. And the Department of Health are being upfront and HSE saying it's not perfect. So the idea is that your phone, my phone and your phone should be able to tell whether we're one meter apart, three meters apart, five meters apart. Bluetooth can actually work up to about 10 meters. Most people use Bluetooth for things like connecting wireless headphones or a radio or something like that. Mm. but the phone, the proximity isn't absolutely flawless. There was quite a bit of research done from a couple of guys in Trinity College, in fact, who showed that if you're sitting on a bus next to somebody, it can be a little bit hit or miss whether or not my phone and your phone will be able to exactly tell exactly how far we are apart. It's, it's quite a difficult problem. I mean, the te- technology is actually very difficult. That's why it took... Apple and Google themselves to actually come together unprecedentedly and work on this solution, uh, which we're using, the Germans are using, um, a lot of others um, are using. And HSE told me yesterday that for every 11 people, um, it will accurately record uh, nine, nine, the distance of nine, nine, nine phones. Yeah, but how? Eighty percent What kind of saturation do you need with this app for it to be effective? As in, how much of the population need to have it? It, it varies from about twenty, twenty-five percent up to about sixty, sixty-five percent. Sixty percent is the upper range that you can probably get because if you okay, so here's the way it shakes down in Ireland. There are a little bit over five million active phones in Ireland. 
only 3.7 million of those belong to people who are over 16. Now, the app is oh. not supposed to be used by people under 16. So now you have your base of, th- of 3.7 million, okay? Yeah. So right now we're at a million. So we're already at about 25%, okay? So the maximum in terms of population that you'll get is somewhere around 60, 65%. Okay. It looks like we're on track for something for at least 40%, maybe 50%. That is enough for this to work. Yeah, but is is that um, a data protection? No, it's not. It's just an age of consent. Is it the under 16. 16s? Yeah, the 16 thing, is, it's an odd one. Last year, um, we uh, ratified digital age of consent at 16 here. Now, that's not directly applicable because this isn't an information service. It, it's And it's not technically an emergency medical service either. So arguably the 16, uh, the age 16 rule doesn't technically apply here. Nevertheless, when I asked about this, they told me that it was a long discussion between the Data Protection Commissioner, the Attorney General, and officials in the HSE uh, and themselves. And they decided to err on the side of caution on it because um, the difficulty that might arise if you're under 16 and if you are the one being alerted that you may have been in proximity to someone with COVID-19, there may be a sensitivity there about getting unsolicited alerts, right? That's that's the reason for that. However, here's the problem. If you download the app, it asks you right up front, are you 16? Yes, no. If you tap no, I, I for, just to see, I said, no, I'm under 16, just to see. And it said, no, sorry, you can't use that app. You know, return to former screen. I return to the former screen. Tapped. Yes, I am sixteen. No problem. I'm in. Oh, no verification. No yeah. nothing. Now the the, the the HSE says about that is that that's kind. Of, they've designed it that way so that if you're a parent, they think it's okay for a parent to tap. Yes, I'm over sixteen on their child's phone. They regard that as legal that's consent. Parental consent, then, if you like. It's a, it's a bit of an Irish. Answer to an Irish problem, but, um, yeah, but but there, there you go. That's and, that's the way that. Okay, well answered. Well answered. But what is the, the, there is worry though about uh, people's privacy, isn't there? Uh, you know, being tracked or being traced is fine for COVID nineteen, but tracking people's yeah. movements is another story entirely. Well, there was huge worry about that, and that's the reason that this app and other apps were delayed. There were a lot of safeguards that had to be built in. Now, most privacy experts you will talk to on this and the people who are most critical of companies like Google, by and large, give this app a pass. I mean, the app cannot track your location. So Apple and Google built it in a way that doesn't allow the HSE or the government to tr- to, to know exactly where the um the the uh, the where you're using yeah. you're using the app so GPS um can't can't be used with it so it, in itself it's very very good on privacy there is one small caveat to that on an Android phone so not an iPhone on a Samsung or whatever, or whatever else, to use this app ironically you have to actually turn location on on your phone and I'll explain that the reason you do is because on Android phones, for Bluetooth to work, you need to have the phone's location setting on. It's actually very confusing, and it's going to confuse an awful lot of people. I brought it up uh, yesterday. Um, uh, Colleagues in other newspapers, the Examiner has has a good story uh, on it today. Um, The the problem with that is not that the COVID-19 app will track you. It won't. I'm telling you definitively, it will not track you. The problem is, 
if you turn your location on on your phone, that kind of opens the door to a load of other apps that um, that that you may not have wanted to get access to your location. Yeah. Now, now, Google says you can actually go through each of those 72 apps or how many, ever many apps you have on your phone and switch the app, the location permission off for each app. But most people won't do that. So, so that is a problem and that is a caveat. You don't have that problem. We all, we all have We all have location on anyway because otherwise you can't use Google Maps or get directions for places. Well, I, I would argue. I mean, I usually leave location on for yeah. most of the things because I find it handy. However, if we're talking about, you know, the strict thing about wanting to protect your privacy and giving you maximum ability and choice to do that, you can do it with this COVID-19 app, it's, but it's going to take more manual work. Okay, so we have it. It's there. We encourage people to download it. Is it, you know, I mean, it wouldn't have been an awful lot better if we had this three months ago, though, yeah? Yeah, it would. We, we had to throw out the first version of our app. We were actually designing, it was a company in Waterford, near Form, and they were designing um, the, the first version of the app, but they weren't doing it on using Apple and Google's uh, new technology. They were doing it based on a more of a centralized uh, model like the Brits did and like the French have done. And um, they pretty quickly realized that, number one, there are massive problems with privacy, massive. Number two, it probably wouldn't work. Like the Australians, for example, they have an app um, that's not built on Google and Apple. And... It doesn't work when the the iPhone screen is locked. So you have it in your pocket, and, and the British one didn't work, as you know, as you say. Yeah, the British one is a disaster. The Brits spent almost twelve million quid on an app and, and then it. had to ditch it and had to scrap it. Yeah. And now they've gone back to use the same underlying technology that we're using. Our one costs eight hundred and fifty thousand euro, um, and ours works. Um, so. It, it, yeah, that, that's a lesson in how not to do it across the water. Okay, my friend, how do people get it? Go into either the App Store on your iPhone or the Play Store on your Android phone and look for COVID Tracker app. There's only one. There's only there's one only one Irish one. It's a yellow app. It's a yellow icon. Fair play, fair play. Listen, we're up to date on it. I'm very obliged to you. Thank you for taking the call, Adrian. Have a good day. Appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. That's uh, Adrian Weckler, the Irish independence technical expert. So you know what to do. Go into your app store or wherever you get your apps and download COVID Tracker. It's the only one there. It's the yellow icon. Uh, it's very simple, very straightforward. You just follow the steps through. Um, you can either opt in to give your mobile number or you can refuse to give the mobile number. It won't really matter whether you do or not because they will send you a text if there was an issue with people who you were near that then subsequently went on to test positive. If you put in your mobile number, not everybody will do that, but if you do, they'll also text you. So that's the only reason for that. Lines open, one 106 You're up to speed on that. The COVID tracker app is there. Um, Adrian's saying there's just uh, shy of a million people have downloaded already. And that's only in the space of like, I don't know, 36 hours there, thereabouts. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. John, thank you for holding. Good morning. What you, what, what you come across? Um, it, it was last night. There was a party on um, the corner of Adelaide Street, uh, meeting Grattan Street in a large uh, yellow and brown uh, apartment complex. Right. Um, it was primarily uh, French being shouted out uh, from the balcony there uh, for for the whole evening for the night. Um, a kind of a rowdy old party up there. Many many people in there. 
Well, I mean, I, I could see the place uh, from the outside. I could only see, you know, what was going on in the balcony. Couldn't see what was going on inside from down below. Um, there was about 15 or 20 of them out in the balcony having a great time. On a small balcony? Um, relatively small. Okay. I'm looking at it now. Okay. Uh, rel- re- relatively small. Um, you could see clearly that everyone was like arm to arm, you know, standing wise, and you'd have to, you'd have to get close to people to kind of actually move from the door to the rest of the balcony. You know, it was quite small. Okay, and I believe guards were called. Were there? They showed up. Yeah, the guards were there. There was um, three guard vehicles there um, with paramedics, and they went upstairs, and they came out maybe ten minutes later, and. I I could hear the paramedics saying that, you know, we've better things to be doing with ourselves than being here with this. And uh, there was uh, there was two young fellas that they uh, actually let them in um, and that they were actually, there was a bit of grief between them and the guards at, at first. And when the guards left, they left with the two young fellas, the same, the same two young fellas. The party didn't stop at all. They took two away, is it? Well, when, when I first noticed the party, the two young fellas were there and there was a guard that kind of, well, there was, uh, you know, there was words between the guard and, and the young fellas. Uh, there seemed to be they, not on good terms, really. And uh, when, when the guards left, the two young fellas kind of went with them to the guard of cars. So I didn't see what happened after that. Okay, okay. Why were paramedics called, though? I couldn't tell you, but they were definitely wearing, you know, they definitely had their bags and uh, their, you know, the, the clothes that they wear for, for medics. Like, they came out of the guard uh, cruiser. Um, but they didn't come out with anyone or anything. Like they, they seemed pretty pissed off. I'll be straight about it. Okay, and, yeah. that, and that's when I heard them saying, "You know, we've better things to be doing than being here with this kind of thing." And they do. Now you say that there was fifteen or twenty of them on the balcony, um, and that you describe it as being a night of no respect, shouting and roaring, and partying. And you say that there were medics. Uh, yeah, they were medics. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I recognised uh, the type of uh, job they were doing. Um, they went in with different gear and all that. Uh, they didn't spend long in there. No, no. no you say the pe- you say the people that were partying were medics or medics arrived. Oh no, no. Okay, medics arrived. Okay, yeah, yeah medics okay, arrived. Okay, so the guards called with medics, but you don't know you, you, who are these. Who are these French people? Are they working here? Are they did. They, is it an Airbnb? Are they on holidays or? These. Uh, I, as far as I know, they're they're regular apartments. They're not of the cheap kind, uh, but the people were definitely around co- of college age. You know, okay. they're around the twenty twenty one mark. Okay. I would say even eighteen to twenty one. They did didn't seem to have a lot of cop on, uh, you know, in them really. And I mean, they got pretty loud. Uh, like it, they're they're on the top floor apartments. You'd call it the penthouse, I guess. Yeah. Um, but there's actually there's a couple of them around the top there. But, I mean, they were very loud, and it, down Grattan Street actually echoes a lot, and around Henry Street there, so that was echoing all the way up to the Mercy. Good God. Yeah, um, I heard, I did hear one Irish girl for, you know, briefly, and the rest was loud, loud French then for the rest of the night. Okay, there are parties everywhere. Here's another one for you. There was a huge party in Bandon yesterday. There was definitely over a hundred in the house it was in uh, and it, there was at least and there were many hundreds on the street. An awful lot of them were teens they were drunk. There wasn't a hint of any social distancing. The party started around 3pm in the afternoon and three busloads of teenagers arrived. There was definitely a busload of them from Carrigaline and another load came from Cork City. The armed response were there um, wait for when there's a spike in a couple of weeks' time. 
these are the kids, these are the parties who are to blame for their carelessness. you got to wonder where their parents are. That's a text from Ellen. I don't get an age, but certainly teenagers, uh, anything up to maybe um, 19, 20 years old, I suppose. So they're not isolated. You know, the one you described, they're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I cycle around Cork a lot, Neil. Um, it's amazing what you see on a bike. I, I know you cycle yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you go down to the skate park, the Stirls Park, the Lee Fields, I mean, do that in one trip on any kind of nice evening, you know, with a bit of sun. I'm telling you, the amount of outside drinking is unreal. It is. I mean, yeah. and, uh, you can't defend it, but it, it is outdoors as opposed to in a cramped apartment, which you described, you know, which is a hell of a, yeah. a lot worse. But I'll tell you, Neil, they've some neck in them. They actually bring out the wine glasses and all. The glasses, the glass is actually outside too. And I was only out, out, out cycling, um, you know, that route this morning, uh, the Lee Fields and all that. And I had, actually had to avoid alcohol glass around the place. I mean, it's, 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 it's that's nasty. It's bad. It's dangerous for it people certainly is bad. walking, the dogs. And it, I mean, you've got the swans and all the, you know, the, the, the otters and, and the birds. I, uh, you know, I'd be concerned. Anybody say anything to those partiers on uh, Grattan Street, Adelaide Street? No, people just kind of looked up as they walked past. Um, the guards, you know, were, were, were the main kind of attraction there. They came, they stayed maybe 10 minutes, and they were they were gone again. They didn't break it up, uh, and the party continued after they left? I watched as guards went in, and the people on the balcony, not one person kind of came out the door and said, OK, we got to be quiet, or, you know, they didn't kind of... There seemed to be no change whatsoever. So when the guards and left, then, the party continued? I'd say it even got louder. I mean, oh, it got louder as the night went on. What's the point? Like? There, I mean. It's an open-air balcony at the top. The noise, it just echoed around the, the streets around here. All right, okay. You'd think if the guards called, they'd break it up and people would go their separate ways, but that didn't happen in that case. All right, listen, John, thanks for the call. Thanks for the story. Appreciate it, my friend. No problem, Neil. No Take problem. Care. Have a good day. Cheers, you too. On tourists, yesterday my family and I were having a lovely day on Myrtleville Beach until an American couple decided to sit within earshot of us. After about 40 minutes... They were having a jovial conversation with another family while I overheard them say they arrived in Ireland last week. When asked about COVID-19 and quarantine, the couple very discreetly and expertly avoided the question by saying they had self-quarantined before the flight to Ireland and they had flown through air corridors from the States. Uh, well, they flew through air, all right. Uh, within 10 to 15 minutes of this, they casually said goodbye, got up and walked away. Later, in Cross-Sain Car Park, I noticed two French cars. The drivers were standing beside their cars, chatting and laughing. When we finished our shopping, we sat around the seafront enjoying our ice creams, but I kept a BDI on the foreign cars and the occupants. The occupants of both cars, two families, were now enjoying a takeaway from the cafe shop. My question to you is, are there air corridors from the States? I don't think so, nor do I. Uh, are these people supposed to be self-quarantined for two weeks? Yes, they are. Should we be allowing people in from the USA, France and the UK? Uh, why are foreigners or people returning to Ireland not required and legally mandated to have a COVID-19 tracking app on their phone and have it running 24-7? So a couple of other examples of tourists going rogue. You know, that's the, that, that's the difficulty here. Do you see the amount of money that those tourists were spending? You know, that's the problem. Uh, you, we, we need tourism as an industry and we need tourists and us included to be spending money. But at this stage, is it safe, particularly coming in from America, which is a basket case for COVID-19? There's no glass half empty or glass half full scenario here. These tourists should not be in the country full stop. Over 200,000 cases alone were in the States last week in one week. 
state after state is in lockdown. Melbourne is on a six-week lockdown now. Germany, England, China and Russia all have huge, huge figures. We must stop the virus. We must stop tourists. Um, back on the air in a few minutes' time with more calls. One, two more texts ahead of the ad break. You say the tourists drop money, do you? And you're right. However, the money they drop won't be much good when we'll be all in lockdown or even localised lockdowns very soon. It won't be long killing off more of the economy either. These tourists can scamper back home after doing the damage here in Ireland, says Declan in Carrigaline. Uh, morning, Neil. You are not a tourist in Bantry. You're always welcome here and your beautiful wife too. Uh, love, please come back soon. It was a pleasure to have you. What a gentleman you are. And that's uh, with lots of love from everybody at Wharton's Chipper. I visited Wharton's on Friday night, actually. I have to tell you, uh, I had the nicest fish and chips there in a long, long time. It was absolutely delicious. Fresh, caught that day, beautifully battered and deep fried, and the most fabulous, hand-cut, proper poppy chips. It was just, and you have the little carton of um, mushy peas on the side as well, and homemade tartar sauce. A super experience. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. And from time to time, I get the most bizarre texts coming in. There's another one here now. Thank you for listening, but uh, I don't think you understand what the word racism actually means. Somebody says, the racism on your program is unbelievable. You're always stirring it up. Listen, in fairness, I don't really think you know what the word racism means. If you think talking about tourists coming into the country and not quarantining uh, for two weeks, if you think talking about that is racist... There's no hope for you. There really and truly isn't. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, you're, 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 aware of this, you're aware of this business. I know Joe Duffy's been talking about it as well. The private yeah. hospitals will charge you €275 Euro for a COVID-19 safety measure test. Uh, they say they have no alternative. You can't get treated if you don't do the test there, €275. Euro. What do you make of it? Would you ever give them a ring and ask them why it costs 275 euros when it's already 19 euros for the laboratory to, to process it? 19? 19 euros. So where, where are they getting to the 275 well, from? You ask them, no, yeah. But here's the point I'm trying to get across. Do you know what matter means, the matter hospital? The word matter, I don't actually. Is it, uh, is it something? It's, it's the Latin for mother, matter misericordiae, the mother of mercy. It was originally a charitable foundation, like the Bon Secours, which is good help. These were originally religious foundations. And now, they're cheapers that you can't get in the door. What happened to them, like? They tar- became, they're private now. They're par- private, so you need to have either money or health insurance, which is probably the yeah, same thing. but it doesn't, isn't it an irony, like? Don't you think about it, that they were originally charitable? Should they have religious names, you know? Yeah, but you see, when well, you talk about 19 euro for the lab test, but also... No, I've heard that. I, I, I can't vouch. I mean, I, I wouldn't be well enough up in a tune to know... But I mean, why there's such such a huge discrepancy, you know? Well, the Echo have an article on it on their front and inside pages this morning where the matter say they have no alternative but to introduce the charge. They say that they're introducing the charge to help cover the additional costs of measures to protect patients and staff as part of its response to the pandemic. So all patients attending the hospital have to undergo the screening service, and they say that in some cases, patients will have to go e- undergo even further testing at a further cost. It's 275 for the procedure and €75 Euro for a diagnostics outpatient test. So it's yeah. going to go up higher than 275 I know. Well, sure, I don't know. But, I mean, it seems 
strange to me anyway. Like, uh, I suppose they, they're additional costs, but... Not that however, much, so. I just wondered about it. But listen, if I could make a quick point about your conversation about the app. Do you yeah. remember you were on? Yeah. Well, firstly, do you know this point about you're accused of being racist? Wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. Earlier on. Would you ever tell that person there's only one bloody race and that's the human race? I don't know what they're talking about, racism. People get very touchy-feely, I know. Yeah. And the other thing is this, um, about the app, you know, uh, if I were walking down the street now and a car careered out of control and someone shouted across, look out, should I dismiss it as an unsolicited alert? (laughs) (laughs) Give me a break. That's way, that's way too much for me at this hour of the morning. Take care. Thanks, John. At present, if you need a COVID-19 swab test, you have to contact your GP because we did some work on this this morning. Brenda did. I was saying, I was saying to her, if somebody want, was coming back from overseas or had to go overseas and wanted to come back and they wanted to get a COVID test fast and privately, where would you go? Uh, and apparently at present, all you can do is get a COVID-19 swab test you have to contact your GP and they'll organise the test for you at a cost of €160. Now, in the coming weeks, there are some private clinics due to set up uh, to carry out testing. Um, the test at the moment has been will be sourced by your GP um, at a cost of €160. Euro. Now, I don't think that the matter would accept that test. You have to take their own one for €275. Uh, they, they also told us this morning, Dr. Nick was telling us, that it costs, it costs approximately €98 euro for a GP to send a swab to a lab in Dublin to have it done privately. Otherwise, you have to go through the HSE one, you know, assuming they're still doing that kind of testing. Uh, but that's the deal at the moment. In the coming weeks, some private clinics are going to set up uh, a way of doing their own test privately. Don't know what the cost is, but right now, if you wanted to get one done privately, and I don't know how fast, but I suppose reasonably fast, you have to go through your GP at a cost of €160. Euros. So it's 98 to send it off, and the other 62 then is the doctor's share. All right? Lines open at one 106 I think um, tomorrow's going to be a very interesting day at Lidl because you know these Thursday specials they have in Lidl? Well, tomorrow it's e-scooters. E-scooters uh, for 249.99. The usual price on these is 369 and they can be even higher than that. They can go up to a grand, actually, some of them. But what interested me about the Lidl e-scooter, which is the one that, Maybe people would be queuing for tomorrow. They're not cheap. I don't know how many people would be interested in them or indeed how many they'll have in their shops. But um, electric scooters are still deemed illegal in this country. Uh, now, there is an awful lot of uh, talk about legalizing them and it's been recommended by many that they should be legal to use on Irish roads. But uh, it's understood that the Gardaí uh, are a number of the, the dissenting voices um, against them. The Gardaí expressed uh, concern about them and they're against legalizing e-scooters on the grounds that they're potentially dangerous and would pose a risk to users and other people on the road and also pose risks to cyclists and cycle lanes. Uh, And so, therefore, electric scooters at the moment are currently not regulated in Ireland, which makes them technically illegal. Although my son has one and I bum up and down to the shop from time to time and go for a little short spin on it, always with the knowledge in my head that I'm probably doing something that is technically illegal. I wear a helmet and everything, but so far 
I ain't been stopped by anybody apart from the odd person saying, oh, that's fantastic. Where'd you get that? But certainly no Gardi Shikana anytime um, so far. Back to the phone lines we go. That Grattan Street party, George sent me some photographs of it um, and you can see the balcony is fairly humdrum. It's, it's full up with people partying on the balcony. Not a bother to them. All very close and all very loud, apparently. So George sent me some photographs from obviously across the road from his own home. George, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks very much. Um, nothing would surprise me. Were you surprised by it? I mean, you could clearly see it and hear it, right? Yeah, uh, surprised? No, because it is going on, isn't it? Yeah. It was um, It was noisy. It started quite early. And, uh, you know, I mean, you'd normally think, look across the road, and if there was a party going on, then that's fine, you know. But um, just uh, because, of the, um, because of the time that we're in, it just, it did look a bit odd. It did seem a bit wrong. And you do think to yourself... Do you think to yourself, you know, what's the point? Why, why don't they take? Why don't they take? Why don't they pay attention to other people? You know, they don't know. They don't know. I don't know if anybody of them up there had it. I don't know how many people in Cork have got it. You know, none of the um, none of the media tells us that. But um, you know, if they were, if they did, if there was anybody infected up there, then they're going to pass it on to other people. They see to another party they go to tomorrow with another group of people. It was a bit noisy. Our main concern was the fact that Orla's, um, Orla uh, being in pharmacy, she was working tomorrow or the day after. So um, we called the guard around about 11.30 and it finished about 12 when we fell asleep. But, yeah, because you so sent me some photographs of what looks like, what looks like um, the rapid response unit, right? Yes. Yes, I thought it was. Um, I thought there was the, the white vehicle that was there. That he was guarder. He was a plainclothes guarder. Uh, and then the other two vehicles. One was the uh, armed support, armed response, and the other one. I thought that was guarder as well because when they came out, they had. Um, I think they had. It looked like they had battering rams, but um, really, they sort of like they they stood down the bottom. Uh, and they looked up at them, and one of the guys like looked over the top. I don't. They didn't really pay any attention to them. They just looked looked over the top, almost as if, you know, I wonder what they're doing down there. <laughs> look on his face. Look on their face. And, uh, and they they stood there st- looking up at it, and then they, they they virtually sort of shrugged their shoulders. It put me in mind of what I was reading today about, uh, or you're saying about people um, uh, guard not knowing really how to deal with these things. You know, I don't know. Do uh, they have the power to to break I, up parties? I, I don't think they do. I don't think. I, don't, I think they can go and knock on the door and say we've had a complaint from your neighbours. I think that's as far as the law legislates. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But to go into to go into other realms where where um, SWAT teams come through the windows and things like that, I don't think they're allowed to do that. Okay, okay, okay. So that was uh, on Grattan Street yesterday yeah. uh, afternoon up until just about midnight last night. Yeah, to ask yeah. you a question, actually, just before I let you go, the COVID tracker app, which you should download, gives you county by it. county. You have well, if you go into it, you'll see county by county breakdowns of people, right. the, the different counties that have uh, all of the numbers for the counties for positive it's got cases. That. It does have that. It's got Dublin at um, 48% and Cork at 6%. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying I'm trying to find on it. Do you know if you can get how many how many persons have it in Cork? Well, the amount of people that tested positive in Cork since this began 1542. 
that's good, that's good though, isn't it? We've gone well down the call. Which, which I think equates with a figure, unfortunately, of something like 40 deaths. So, um, you know, that could have gone up slightly, I'm not sure, but the last time I checked it was 40 deaths in Cork. 1,542, 6% of the population. Dublin is the highest, uh, followed by yeah. Cork and Kildare and Cavan. And then the rest are down to twos and threes. So that should answer your question. Yeah, okay, my friend, much, take care of yourself. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. That was from yesterday. The problem with these balconies, too, is that they could collapse, right? I don't mean to be alarmist now, but they have collapsed in the past with parties on them. If you've got too many people on a balcony like that, the chances are the balcony collapse. And we know uh, of the incident in 2015 after midnight, just after midnight, five Irish J-1 visa students and one Irish-American died. Um, six people died. Seven others were injured. Uh, after a balcony they were standing on, uh, they were celebrating their 21st birthday in California, in Berkeley, California. The balcony of the fifth floor apartment building um, collapsed. Uh, and there was a criminal probe because of the building or the construction. You remember that of the, of the balcony and the, and the apartment block at the time? So it does happen. Balconies collapse. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Uh, on Barry Cowan who uh, apologised again. He said he did a stupid, stupid thing in the door last night. He says, uh, we got texts on this. This happened more than four years ago, right? Give Barry a break. We need to get back to sorting out Brexit, Debenhams and COVID-19. He took his punishment, says Buddy in Bantry. Just on Barry Cowan, it is also illegal to drive on a motorway with a provisional licence. Did he get charged for that too? I presume it was the Dublin to Cork motorway that he was stopped upon. The judge gave Barry Khan three months off the road. It would be interesting to see what other sentences. Yes, we had other texts like that uh, to see what other kind of sentences that judge gave to other people who were caught in similar circumstances. Uh, Barry Khan is someone who defended and promoted a man who is probably the most notorious puppy farmer in Europe. Um, this person uh, is now in charge of animal welfare, Barry Cowan. Whoever said he's good at the job would want to go and educate themselves. Uh, another one or two here, Quivine says, did everyone forget about James McDade and his drink driving while he was a Fianna Fáil TD? There's a history of this in Fianna Fáil, says Quivine. Um, was he a TD? Or, um, but was he actually a minister at the time, I wonder? Uh, that guy, last guy on the air with you, talking about, well, this is from yesterday, text from yesterday, totally correct in everything he said uh, about Ireland being the laughing stock of the rest of Europe. Uh, you didn't give this guy enough time on air, says Lisa. Well, thank you for that. Alan says, you'd, you'd be damn sure it was not his first time drink driving. He must go. It's the same Fianna Fáil of old. He said it was the first time and he said it was the last time. Um, Ted says, we've watched all, uh, we've all watched as COVID-19 rules were ignored throughout the pandemic. Now we have to stomach the Cowan story. The Shinners are off the hook now. This is a news, a new story as the Belfast story. Um, uh, the Belfast story about the funerals is old news and this is the new one there are more important issues to deal with in this bankrupt state surely give it a rest now for God's sake people uh, on uh, Barry Khan uh, Seamus was on the streets of Cork City yesterday asking people's opinion on that and we'll play that for you after 10 o'clock The Neil Prenderville Show with Tesco, save time and shop online simply log on to tesco.ie now, this morning, we also have our final giveaway for Clancy's on Princess Street. You can book yourself directly into Clancy's online. I'll tell you all about that for some food and drinks. But we have a final table of four to give away. You and three of your friends, three-course meal, champagne and cocktails. A fabulous prize. It's our fifth and final one. And thank you to Clancy's. They've been very kind to us over the past three weeks or so because we 
Sarajevo a lunch vouchers for them as well and that's been great so we've got those to do and also back on board Oak Fire Pizza and they've sent us lots of vouchers for large piping hot pizzas to give away this week and next week and we'll see how we get on with those with regards to callers on air people who text the show and also for shout outs so all that between now and midday I'll play the Barry Cowan Vox in the streets of Cork in a few minutes time but I want to say with phone lines now because it's a busy morning we'll plough ahead Joe good morning Good morning, Larry. So, How are you? I'm good. Thank you, for take, thank you for taking the call. I always appreciate someone who texts and then comes on air. Uh, this is um, this is referencing um, uh, the there was abandoned house party yesterday, and a lot of them arrived by bus, isn't it? That's right. And uh, I was in Cork yesterday at a hospital appointment, and I happened to pass Parnell Place roughly between quarter to the four and four o'clock. And I see, and I commented to my wife, I see all these teenagers trying to board a bus. And to be fair now, the bus driver was trying to hold them back and secure the say. But there was a huge amount of them um, trying to board the Skibbereen-based bus and uh, two, the 233 to I suppose my concern there, Niall, and why I'm bringing it to you, I'm looking at bus here on Facebook and they say, avoid unnecessary journeys. Now, that wasn't the necessary journey yesterday, but that amount of teenagers, Niall. And you take the capacity of the bus would be down to 25 or 50%. So that would have nearly been the bus full going to West Cork. Would that not have rang a bell with any of the security around our bus management that there was a house party taking place? And there was a huge party in Bandon yesterday where somebody, Ellen, said to me there was definitely a hun- over 100 in the house and hundreds more on the streets around the house. Yeah. And Niall, I see that it was, it was like, in fairness, Parnell Place, very quiet, but the front of Parnell Place, you know, Niall, where they loaded the front, yeah. they'd be going out the front yeah. of it. I just took my interest. I said, Mother, uh, how there was it that many people? And all of a sudden, I said to my wife, I said, they're going to a house party. And just this morning, Niall, I see it. So, Were they carrying thinking, anything with them? Um, I didn't see anything now. Now, to be fair, there was a security guard. He was st- he was standing on the on the steps of the two thirty seven to Skibbereen, so he was trying to keep him back and board in an, or- an orderly fashion. But no, but he didn't have a have a have a question to answer. It wasn't necessary travel, in my opinion. And they should have known. You could have seen these kids. They were dressed for a house. They were dressed for a party. I'm not saying a house, but they were dressed for a party. Now yeah, you I could know. see it. Like. I know. I so, know. like, you think that think, you think that bus errands should be refusing to carry them to house parties? Well, it's unnecessary travel, Nile. And according to their website, only necessary journeys. Like that was the bus definitely full going down that that direction. I know. Yes, had, I know. Had to be full, Nile. Um, and were they wearing masks? Um, now, I heard the driver, I overheard them saying, Les, have you messed? Now, I didn't see it, there was one or two, he was asking him, had they messed? At that stage, I passed Pernell Place heading on to where okay, I was parked. Okay, but you saw I what you saw. I was just shocked now to see that, and I think Bussy Evans should have a comment on it, because you're taking up those seats at that hour of the evening for people that needed to travel. We'll put, a call, we'll, put a po- we'll put a call into Capwell and ask them what's their policy when it's clearly evident to all and sundry that these are teenagers that have been ferried around on buses and to parties. First of all, Nile, I'd right. like to be clear, we're not blaming the bus drivers on this. Like, um, security should have been looking at this and maybe the guards like, should have been called. Because if you've got many youths travelling now, you can see it yourself. They weren't going anywhere for um, a walk. Nile, yeah, you? and then of course we have the stories in the papers this morning of beaches being wrecked again because of parties and fires and things well, like that. Well, yeah. yes, and we're back to the same thing like
like we're going to have this surge now, and 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 like you have the parents to blame, you have the parents of that house party as well now. So there's a lot of blame um, along the way, but definitely I think Bus Air might need to review. Okay, we have a call into Bus Air, and thanks for that, Joe. Appreciate yeah, it. Probably not. Cheers. Yeah. Have a good day. Thank you. There was that huge party in Bandon yesterday. That did result. That did result in the armed response unit having to be called out to it. Um, now, what happened? You know, we've seen these parties before. Remember the one in in Waterford where I counted 69 teens and youths coming out of a three-bedroom uh, terrace house. There was three guards there. And they just were asked to move and they broke the party up. In fairness to those guards, they broke that one up. I don't know if they, if they did the same in Bandon. Uh, but, um, and, and really, the armed response and the guards and the bus drivers have tough enough jobs to be done at the best of times without having to turn up for this stupid, idiotic carry-on, don't you think? Anyway, text on that, text 0868104106. Uh, we'll pick it up and uh, just return to uh, Seamus's Vox from the streets of Cork yesterday on Barry Cowan. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. need to be very careful with balconies because I was telling you about the balcony uh, deaths in America where six were killed and five of them were, were Irish and it was um, turned out that the balcony wasn't constructed properly. The building wasn't constructed properly. There was dry rot and I suppose dry rot and all of those people on the balcony probably uh, the way that the people contributed, as well as the dry rot to it collapsing. I was looking at the balcony from yesterday, and I'm not in any way experienced in construction, but a crack is a crack, and I see cracks there. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if it's the, the safest-looking balcony in the world, but there are certainly cracks there, and somebody should investigate it if there's going to be those kind of parties. Uh, balconies can be very, very dangerous. Right to be, so can people who are drinking and driving on our streets. And we know that the Agri-Minister Barry Cohen, Cowan faced calls to resign over his drink-driving revelations yesterday. We had lots of calls on it, and we decided we'd take to the streets to get the Corkonians' view on the matter. That's what Seamus did yesterday on uh, Barry Cowan uh, on Patrick Street and surrounding streets in the city centre. I mean, just one off with the fellas who uh, were not involved in, in politics, you know what I mean? And just uh, the other, another you know, for the, the army show, so. so he definitely should have resigned. He's very casual in his approach, and isn't he? He's not giving people any, he's saying sorry, 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 so. But if he was in England, he'd be gone long ago. Well, he shouldn't have driven his car with the provisional licence, and he shouldn't have drunk him with the... Two drinks, I think, and was sorry he was slightly over it. I really don't think anything. They're hounding him an awful lot because he's a politician. He's very apologetic over it happening. So what else can he do then? You know, I really don't see that he should be hounded like he is. He, he did his time. He he got his punishment. He took it. He apologised, and I think he should leave it at that. I suppose you have to set an example to you know a standard it's like somebody not obeying the COVID-19 rules and you know you've got to you know otherwise people aren't going to respect you or you know it's not one law for one person and one law for someone else you know because people tend to look up to TDs and people in authority so if it's okay for them to do it then it's okay for anyone to do it you know but he might have to resign for his not telling his party leader I suppose but not for the drink driving sure everybody can make a mistake Oh, you know, everybody can make a mistake, but at the same time, look, he's only just in government. Give the guy a chance. Um, I don't know there's a lot of people out there who, who've lost, who've had victims or victims of drink driving incidents and all that, but at the same time, look, I mean, he's done a week in government. So, I mean, look, let's see what he can do from a positive point of view. And, you know, I mean, he might be able to make up for the mistakes he made, you know? Well, first of all, when he was elevated to that position, the man who elevated him didn't know about that. 
So, you know, uh, the message at the time was he's fine. Uh, and I think what they're accusing of him now is fairly petty. Uh, most of us, I would imagine, at some stage in our lives have been guilty of some kind of traffic offence. So I think it's a waste of time. We should be getting serious about the government and looking to sort things out and let the man get on with his job. I'm sure he'll do a fine job. Now, where it would be uh, unfortunate is if something turned up later on of a more serious nature. But I doubt that, you know. But that would cause me to change my mind if something more serious turned up. He has to be honest now and do a bend done on it and <laughs> face his accusers. No, I don't think he should resign. It was four years ago and if it wasn't dealt with, with back then, it shouldn't be dealt with. Now we figure better things to be dealing with at the moment, taking up government time. Um, we're in a pandemic. If it wasn't dealt with then, you should just let it go. Maybe dealt with internally, but not in the public arena. Driver provisional. He got a speedy ticket as well, didn't he? And he got drunk driving. And now he hopes to represent so many people in his constituency up there, up the country, up in the Dáil. I don't, I don't think he's a very trustworthy politician, to the truth. It just sends a message that they're still at it, still the same thing. You have to carry crowded head decks now, trying to, trying to um, um, <laughs> get drink driving laws enacted down below there, like, you know. Oh, look, look at Barry Cohen, he's been there for years, he never had an accident. Yeah, that's just the way your men will be on about, like. If the rest of us are expected, you know, which are our children, when they get to that age, which our, our daughter has, to, you know, with her provisional licence, we had to go to the trouble of sitting with her while she was driving, getting her to pass her test, and going through the financial implications of paying for all the lessons and everything. And I think, you know, how how can he get away with it? And the rest of us have to, you know, obviously do what is safe and obey the law. So I think, yeah, I think you should resign. So only how many men out? How many people in the country have have been caught drink driving? You know, he he done, he done his time. Let him do his job. As he got his job, why wasn't he hounded out long ago? So he's, he's, he's been... He's only trying to make news, to be honest with you. Listen, who's perfect? We all make mistakes. Do we have to suffer for, for the rest of our lives? Look at the rest of them. Are they all perfect that they're up there and we just don't know about it? Judge no one. And you shall not be judged. All right, I'd say 50-50 really on that, wouldn't you? 50-50, those for and against. Um, Morris, good morning. Good morning, Neil. A lot of people sympathetic with him. Let he without sin cast the first stone and things like that. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, double standards in public life, Neil, are never going to do. And uh, we're dealing here with Fianna Fáil. And, uh, you know, they have an appalling, uh, you know, legacy of, of double standards, corruption and all the rest of it. It really, it, he must go now. Like, he, he should certainly step down as uh, as agricultural minister. Like, I mean, you know, and if he wants to carry on as a TD, like, I suppose people wouldn't have a problem. But, like, I mean, in, in public life. And, of course, it's been a fairly bad uh, month for, for double standards in public life with this Michelle Smith thing up in Northern Ireland and the social distancing, what have you. And at the end of the day, if they talk the talk, they've got to walk the walk. And if uh, lawmakers must not break laws, like, and that's the bottom line. Yeah, it's interesting because Labour now are calling, uh, saying that this is the return of the Fianna Fáil cute whore politics, you know, where they round the wagons and just look after their own. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, you're dealing here with Fianna Fáil. Like, I mean, I mean you, you've got to keep eyeing them. Like, we were lucky to get them. I mean, people wanted the whole hockey thing to completely come to an end, like, because of the shenanigans that was going on and what have you. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I was reading The Independent this morning, and there was a, there was a complete kind of lowdown on the, this whole Barry Cohn business about, about being on a provisional license and, uh, you know, how, how long he had a provisional license. And I think there are questions there, and, and there are proper questions. I mean, you're talking about violations here where people are brought up before the courts and, and they're, they're given by, and the same should be, in fact, more people are saying that they, they, the politicians should incur a, a bigger sanction because they set the law, they make the standards. But what about, I know, but what about the fact that we all make mistakes, you know, and, uh, you know, if, if we're genuinely contrite and honestly regretful that people will forgive you? Well, there's plenty of people out there this morning in courts being, being convicted uh, for, for, for what this guy has done, like, and, uh, and their justice, yeah, but I mean, he was put off the road and he was fined. That's right. That, that, that's right. He was. But there are people out there trying to excuse this in some way, like an overlook. And that's what what happened with Fianna Fáil. Everything was overlooked until the tribunals came, and uh, you know it just it, it set down the precedent. You had the, the old Jim McDade business too, as well. Like, and again, like you, you know, you know, drink, drink driving is not okay, and they're sending out the wrong message here. I mean, you've you got people out there and they're crippled for the rest of their life. They're in funerals. There's urns in, at home and they have to go to cremations and what have you. Like, they have got to set the standard. We have a big problem with drink in this country. And Neil, to be fair, we're kind of a nation of alcoholics. Right? And uh, the drink is a big, big problem in this country. And it should be kept off the road. This guy has got to step down as agricultural minister. He's got to go. If he wants to carry on as a TD, he can. But right now, at this point in time, we're bringing in Fianna Fáil. Which is, which is worse? The, um, the, the, the drink driving? Just being just over the limit, um, the provision licenses that he was renewing and renewing and renewing, uh, not having L plates up, uh, being done for speeding, and on top of it, he seems to have blatant regard for the rules of the road, incidentally, because he was also done for not displaying a tax disc sometime back as well. That's uh, right. Which- violation after violation after violation. These guys make the law. And, and if they break it, they have to step down. His position is untenable. I don't know how he can say it. They're off to a terrible start uh, one way or the other. And I can tell you, if Michal Martin, like, I mean, this, this whole thing, he, I think he's making a statement on us. Uh, if Michal, Michal Martin said he knew nothing about it, should it be found out? And he's using the word if. If it should be found out that Michal Martin knew in any way, um, then, he, then he'll, be, he'll be said about mistakes. They say the dogs in the road knew. It would, be, it would be hard to imagine that he didn't know, even though he says he didn't. Well, well, if it should be, I mean, if it, if it, if it comes to the crunch in, in the dial and he didn't, Michal Martin did know about it, then, then he will, then Michal Martin will have to go. I mean, you're dealing here with Fianna Fáil. We, 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 we were, we barely got out of the doghouse with Fianna Fáil, like, and, and the corruption and the cronyism and the, the old double standards, and here we go all over again. Yeah, it's interesting. Just before I let you go, according to the Central Statistics Office, it's a stat that makes this morning's uh, independent. There are 37,000 people driving on their fourth or subsequent learner's permit in Ireland. And of that figure, six and a half thousand of them are on their 11th learner permit or higher. Like, that's, that's, a, no, that's a nonsense system, isn't it? That, that's what I read this morning. They, 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 on, it, is a, it is a great story on the Independent there for people to read about what's going on. I, I think they need to do something about that. Like, where there, there must be... Like, why aren't they passing, like, after such a long, long period of time 
on the road. What's the problem there? Or do we need to look at all that? But, but, but as I say, like, you know, getting away from the story, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you have a government minister w- 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 that apparently has several vo- road traffic violations and a, and a very, very troubling drink driving situation. I think he certainly should be gone. But this is Ireland. Double standards. Fianna Fáil, double standards. OK, my friend. Thanks as always, Morris, by phone. one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Give us a bell. Tom's on line four. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, I was just uh, up in Dunstores there and I met him and a friend of mine there, like, and asked him how are things going, like, you know. And this week, 12 months ago, his son was killed by a drunk driver, <sighs> you know. And my God, this is on the radio known people back in Mr. Cone, like, you know. You know, I think, like, I don't know if the man is listening to it now or not, like, you know, but he must be in bits, his family, the whole lot, like, you know. He's coming up to his first anniversary, a drunk driver. And he had all his qualifications in this year. Just came out of um, CIT college with his qualifications as a welder and everything, like, you know, everything in front of him, 19 years of age and killed. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, like, you know, I I can't see how, it's, how that man should get away with that, like. Did he have an opinion on that, the dad? I'm very I, I tell you the truth, no, I left him no more than three quarters of an hour ago and I don't think he's listening to it. No, no, I'm saying, did he did he talk to you about Barry Khan? No. No, 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 no you're just no, you're no, remarking no, that. No, 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 he was just talking about his son. I couldn't bring Barry Khan up, like, you know, he was upset enough, like, you know. Coming up to the first anniversary. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's just, that's such you know, a so terrible cross to have to bear, isn't it? The loss of a child it like is, that. It is. He has another son then, like, you know, who's not coping too well, like, you know. I know. Over I this, know. like, you know. I know. I know. You know, family's never the same, like, you know. Well, there uh, you go. The, you know, that's. I know they say there's only a few point, two points or whatever, like you know, but the law is the law. So you're of the opinion uh, that this guy shouldn't be in his job, then, are you? Well, he definitely should be off the bloody road, like you know, and convicted, and the whole lot. I know he is, like you know, I whatever about his job, like you know. But I mean, the, the, the drink driving, there's no excuse, me. Okay. No excuse. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Okay. That's, People uh, end up in the morgue, like. That's an example. That's a first-hand example, actually, what we're talking about. You you chatting with that dad this morning. Very sad. Exactly. You know, it's Thanks. heartbreaking. Thanks for that, Tom. Michael, good morning. Good morning. Okay, I'll get some more texts on the air on this. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts, uh, Neil, or actually... Uh, it's immaterial compared to the last call. Isn't, I know, it really puts but, things in perspective when you have a conversation sure with a man who's, it, whose friend lost his sure son does. to a drunk driver, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, devastating for the poor family. Um, I, I spent about seven years on motorbikes and what have you, and I went through my tests and the whole lot, and failed my tests and the whole lot, and I couldn't drive a bike, so I had to give it up. And here's this man here now, you know, he's 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 one of our leaders of the country, one of our TDs, and he's getting away with murder. So you had, um, you were driving the bike on provisionals, was it? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and for years. I, I paid big money as well, like insurance and the whole lot, and I've had bikes stolen, and, you know, ah, but, you know. We get over that. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's bang out there, drink driving and everything. If, if you drive a bike with a, with a pint in you, you have no control. Can you imagine the car? Well, they say they say it has to do as well with with your reaction time, you know? Oh, correct. Absolutely. You know, to, to avoid maybe an oncoming car or a pedestrian or somebody walking out in front of you or swerving on the road. You know, your your reaction times change. Your coordination changes. Oh, absolutely. 
split second. It, it's it's regardless of what you think. It's it's, it's it doesn't it doesn't matter. Did you eventually pass though? Did you eventually get a full license? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I had to. I, I give. I, I actually lost my jobs and everything over it. I just gave up in the end, and I said, "You know, what's the point?" And these were the the, the theory tests. Why? Why did you give up? Like, I mean, you, was it the theory we were failing? Is it? It was the theory test. I was. I was failing. Ah, don't give uh, up. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, sure. Look, uh, I, I, I'm going to try now. Next, next month or two. Try again. Not. Keep trying. Fail better yeah, until yeah. you eventually pass. <laughs> thank you. Alright. Yeah, I, I understand that, but I, 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 yeah, thank you. Alright, and come back to me when you have the full license. We'll celebrate. Jason, good morning. And here, how are we? Good, go ahead. No, um, it was three months he got after all. Three was, months, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought it was automatic two years after all for drink driving. I think I'll have to dig into this a bit deeper. I think if you're just above, there's a there's a, a, a limit that imposes three months, and then a higher limit of blood alcohol, which is you know higher twelve months and two years and stuff. So and and did he claim travel expenses? He did, yeah. He, he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the figure was seven thousand. Correct, yeah. yeah. But I guess somebody drove him, you know? <laughs> drove him for 7,000 euros for three months. You're entitled to, you're enti- they're entitled to, to mileage, you see. You know, going up and down to the doll. I know, but would it cost you 7,000 euros to get up and down? I don't know what they months? pay it. They pay it by the mile, I think. You know, so if you're going, you'd be on big money now if you are of TD down and I, way, I, way I down in West Cork. anyone can back this man. Like, he got up with three months for drink driving. Claimed expenses in as well to get up because of his fault where he should have no right to claim expenses. Five and a half fault he got, got drink driving and then turn around to claim expenses. Doesn't seem right. Yeah, but he's sh- he shook like. He was very, very, very shook about this whole thing. Is that not is that not a high but price so to what, pay? Like, as, as the two callers beforehand. So what about that man who lost his son to drink driving? I like? know, I know. But I'm sure that, that I'm sure that weighs heavy on his mind now, on Barry Cowan's mind. Yeah, but it weighs heavy on a lot of other people's minds as well, like right? And they haven't, they didn't get up so lean the way he did. Well, other people are concerned that Fianna Fáil claimed that they knew nothing about it and more are concerned with the fact that he never told the leader of the party. So how, how would they not know anything about it when he was in court? That's, that's, that's it, you know, that's it. People did know. You know, why is it coming out now is another question, I suppose, you know. First of all, course, it's going to come out now when they're in power. Like, I understand why it's coming out now, like, but that was the case and they knew about this, could just easily disclose it before anything, like. Interesting text here from Barry. He says, I was caught uh, for drink driving. It's almost five years ago now, but I'm still suffering from the actions because no insurance company would quote me until seven years have passed the date of the incident. He has to have seven clean years, oh. you know. Trump. And that, that minister now is grand, has a lovely minister, salary, paying expenses, got three months after road. Okay, I'll get the, I'll get the breakdown on, uh, on sentencing for the different amounts of blood alcohol levels. I thought it, I thought it was automatic two years after all once you're caught drink driving in there. Yeah, well, give me, te- give me ten minutes on that and I'll get those figures and we'll give them out on air. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Michael. 
Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Don't know about uh, 2016, but with effect from October 2018, uh, for an experienced driver, um, I don't know whether you'd call him an experienced driver. Perhaps you would or perhaps you wouldn't if he's on a provisional license. But with a lower concentration of alcohol between 51 milligrams and 80 milligrams, which is the lower amount, that's a three-month disqualification and a 200 euro fine. Uh, it goes up then um, if you, say, for instance, are an experienced driver um, and you have a higher level of 81 to 100. It goes up to six months disqualification and a 400 euro fine. And I'm sure if I dig into more stats, then I can find out how you can be uh, put off the road then for alcohol levels above 100 milligrams for a year um, and so on and so forth. And it goes up and up and up like that. But I get the proper stats on it. But the lower amounts, apparently, just over the kind of just over the limit ones. Uh, that's the three months off the road and a 200 euro fine. So I'll come back to that and clarify it some more for you when I get those stats printed off. Billy, good morning. Billy Rose. Hi. <laughs> you also, lovely name, incidentally. You also work in, you? You, you work in tourism. Uh, well, I did. Um, I worked in Tui in Wilton. I worked. I moved to New Zealand and I was working for Peter Pan's Adventure Travel. Right. And then COVID happened, so I came home. You managed to get home then, did you? Uh, with the embassy, yeah. So it was like three days of flying and 32 hours on a plane and stuff like that. It wasn't great, but we managed to get home anyway, so it was good. That must feel like an age ago, does it? Like a long, long time ago. Yeah, it feels like forever, to be honest. And why did you come? Why, why did you want to come home? Uh, just because with tourism and everything, and like my market would have been backpackers coming in and stuff like that. Like when they kind of shut down the course, lost my job straight away. Offices were closed, um, and it was just a bit too uncertain. So I was kind of like, I don't know if I should stay or should I come home. Yeah. But I'm kind of happy that I came home, to be honest, because yeah. the tourism wouldn't be the same over there yeah. at the oh. moment. So. And what are your plans now? Um, well, at the moment, I'm working in Super Value and Glamire, doing the online shopping and stuff, and I really enjoy it. Um, but I suppose until all the tourism and everything opens up, um, that was, that's what I'll be doing. But it's great. I, I enjoy it now. You won't be going overseas, overseas anytime soon, though? Um, they offered me my job in New Zealand if I want it, and I can work in Australia as well, but just with everything that's happening, I think it's just better just to stay home for ah, a yeah, while. Yeah. Anyway. They're going back yeah. into state-by-state state lockdowns again now. But, exactly, yeah. But you, but anyway, you, thank you for that. I know it's off topic, but because you, you you were talking about the Irish borders and tourists mm-hmm. coming into the country, yeah. weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like realistically to stop people bringing the virus in, they should really close everything for six months. Um, I think it just makes sense because the more people you let in, the more it's going to go up, the more people travel to different countries. It's going to go up. Like, and I don't think Irish people actually really want to like, make anyone sick or anything. But like, if you're going to travel to places like Spain, Portugal, like, you don't know what you're bringing back. But if you go to a country that's just as safe as Ireland, you probably are mixing with less people on holidays because you're with who you, you, you know, your partner or your family or your children. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so safe countries... Why, why is there a problem with flying to a country that's just like here? You know, you're actually going to be outdoors an awful lot. You know, you've got to have physical distancing on beaches and in restaurants and things. So what's the problem? It's just like even in airports and stuff like that. Like you really don't know where other people are coming from. Like when I was flying from Auckland, I could fly from Auckland to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Paris, and then I flew from Paris to Dublin. But like I don't know who I was mixing with in the airport, who was in the bathroom before me. 
it's just very high risk. Like I was lucky I didn't bring anything back with me. Like I isolated for two weeks, but like you just don't know. Um, like what I think is if the Irish government gave like people an incentive to stay in Ireland, most people would. Like what? What would scared. that incentive be? Like if you gave, let's say, a voucher to Irish families, let's say maybe five hundred euro, uh, that could be used in a hotel, hostel, something like that. Um, people would be more inclined to stay here. They might do like two nights in Dingle and then maybe add on another two nights in Kenmare or something. And they're going to be spending in pubs, restaurants, local activities, everything like that. So it's all going to go back into the economy and keeping people's jobs open and, you know, instead of going to Spain or Portugal where it's bringing money out of the economy. Because we kind of need every kind of cent at the moment, really. That's a good idea. I think I read somewhere some country somewhere is doing that, aren't they? Did you hear that? Um, I think places like Greece and stuff are like kind of pay- basically paying people <laughs> to kind of stay there, but I don't know if any other country is doing it. I just think it's a really, really good idea. And what do you make of our borders then? Because clearly tourists are coming in mm-hmm. on holidays and they're not quarantining. They're here for their holidays. Oh yeah, they're absolutely not going to quarantine for two weeks. Um, I think that it just kind of just needs to be trying to shut down and you can either like lighten or lump it basically. Uh, it's just safer for everyone. Um, you know. And that involves closing the borders, does it? Like, I mean, for non-essential travel. Okay, like, um, non-essential. Yeah. For, yeah, for people just coming in for like a weekend in Dublin or a weekend in Cork and stuff like that. Like, let's say from places like the UK or, you know, like there's loads of Americans here at the moment and stuff like that. Like, you don't know what people are bringing in with them. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, it would be an awful lot different if you could get tested, you see, straight away. That's it. I mean, like, I got off a plane from... And I got off a plane in Dublin. They literally just handed me a flyer and I got a bus to Cork. Like there was no like stopping you, taking your temperature, asking where you were staying, anything like that. I know. Yeah. You got on a bus, probably a full bus. Uh, No, to be fair, the bus is pretty empty. But like that was just by chance. It it could have been a full bus I got on, you know. Okay. Listen, um, good luck whatever you decide to do. I'm glad you're enjoying the work you're doing at the moment. Fair play to you. Take Thank care, Billy much. Rose. Lovely. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Lines Bye. open one eight fifty or four one zero six. And all family that took off to Lanzarote for two weeks uh, last week, and both are working in healthcare. I won't name the hospital. Uh, I know for a fact that they will not be doing the two weeks isolation when they come back from Lanzarote. They're people that weren't affected by COVID in their incomes, and they couldn't care less about the rest of the country. Uh, says Margaret. Well, uh, you seem to have the benefit of. Um, uh, forward vision, you can tell. How do you know that they won't? Have they said that they're not going to? Anyway, appreciate the text all the same. Family gone to Lanzarote, working in healthcare and will not be quarantining when they come back again. Lots of people are at their wits end with regards to holidays and Ryanair and trying to get money back, which you won't. Uh, we're, fly- we're due to fly to Fortaventura on Saturday, the 11th, this coming Saturday. I booked a package holiday through Alpha Rooms, myself, my husband and our three kids. They advised me to pay my balance of €467 in May and they said, rest assured, you will lose no money with us due to COVID. I explained myself and my husband are type 1 diabetics and we had medical letters to advise us not to travel. I sent these in. They replied and said within 24 hours, I would hear from them and they would try and sort out what's going on. Then on Facebook, I saw that my accommodation that I booked through Alpha Rooms wasn't opening until August 1st, so I messaged them. Bear in mind, they're not answering calls and only messages can be sent to them. Alpha Rooms replied and said that our holiday is still active. I'm beyond mad over this. They said, get on to Ryanair yourself and look for cancellation. 
and then we will see if uh, we can contact the accommodation for you. Then I got on to Ryanair. I was told fill out a form, attach medical letters, which they received after being on hold for two and a half hours. I was told it would be weeks before I'd hear from officials to see if my letters would be accepted. My frustration is that I cannot get a response from Alpha Rooms. Is anyone in the same boat as me? Can't come on air to chat as I'm on hold to Ryanair again to see if I can get an answer on the phone. €1,900 is paid for a package holiday with Alpha Rooms. I saved hard for it. And uh, to see it go down the drain, I'm wrecked from the stress. This is all going on since April. I presumed my holiday would be cancelled when my accommodation wasn't available. I hope I can hear similar stories from other people in a similar scenario. Well, that's quite interesting because you would think, you would think that if you booked a holiday to go out on the 11th of July and the hotel accommodation that you booked has subsequently said we're not opening until the 1st of August, that Alpha Rooms would refund you the money for at least the holiday. Maybe not the flights. You're not going to have much luck with Ryanair, I think. You might with the medical letters, though. You don't know. But certainly with regards to the hotel, why is it that Alpha Rooms aren't just reversing it and paying you back your money because the hotel that you booked with them for the dates that you wanted to go is not open? Sounds fairly straightforward to me. But then again, in these days, nothing is straightforward. I booked once with Alpha Rooms, I have to say, never again. Never again. I found them to be very, very dissatisfactory. I went to Washington, D.C. some years back and booked a particular hotel that I wanted to stay in because it was one of the historic ones from the formation of, you know, the first government and War of Independence and stuff like that. And when I got there, they said, nah, sorry, no room for you here. We are overbooked. We're sending you somewhere else. And they just sent me to a, a fairly bog standard hotel that you could be in any city in any country in the world. Um, and it was more, it was a, a much cheaper hotel as well. And I never got the money in the difference back from Alpha Rooms. They were just a complete disaster. I gave up on it. But, as the fella says, once bitten, twice shy. Lines open, one 850 You can text 868 I can't see that phone line number, so I'll come back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851 Red FM. Okay, you know the July provision that I referred to earlier in the week and the rates of pay that uh, either teachers get or SNAs get. And I was working out on the basis of the hourly rate for an eight-hour day, a five-hour week, that there was big money to be made in it uh, for teachers during the summer. Um, I was somewhat incorrect, according to one particular teacher here, who says, you gave out false information regarding July provision rates of pay. You stated that teachers can make a grand a week for July provision, which is false information. This will only add to the teacher bashing culture for the last couple of months. July provision is tuition for only 10 hours per week for the child with special needs. Where do you come up with your information? You stated that a teacher can work eight hours a day for five days a week. You need to clarify this because I'd love to know more. Okay, so I'll come back to that. Another one here says, just to clarify for you, no teacher in Ireland is getting a grand a week for July provision. I did it with a beautiful but extremely challenging child. And I came home with 700 euro after tax in the month of July. It was five days a week for four weeks. The child was a flight risk and they were non-verbal. It was not easy money. It was hard work, I can tell you that. So in one case here, somebody did do it for five days a week for four weeks. And then another teacher said that it's only eight hours a day um, for five. That it's not eight hours a day, five days a week. It's actually only 10 hours per week. Well, I was working the figures out, and if they're incorrect, I'm happy to correct it. I was working out the rates of pay based on a five-day week. You're telling me that it's not. One person says it's not, another says that it is. Uh, but the actual breakdown was what interested me because a fully qualified post-primary teacher is paid €46 Euro, uh, per hour. Um, and an SNA, 
um, who does the same kind of work as the teacher would do in July provision, earns considerably less than that, 16.77 an hour. So there's a big difference between 46 euro an hour and 16.77 an hour. Uh, but if the maths are wrong and it's not eight hours a day, five days a week, then of course my figure of 1,841 euro um, a week is uh, way off. But um, if it's 10 hours a week, you can do it. If it's 10 hours, you can do the maths yourself on that on the basis of uh, 46 euro an hour. So happy to do that. Lines open for all other business. Meanwhile, Martina, thanks for holding. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, uh, Kate, my God, I've never seen so many emails and texts on Kate. <laughs> you know, the extra maternity leave for the... Uh, and she back in her size 8 jeans three days after giving birth. I'm not going to read it out a third time, but what are your thoughts on what you had to say? Well, Neil, to be honest with you, you know, like, for me, I think that I could have done with extra maternity leave because, like, for me, while I was pregnant, I got sick. I um, At 15 weeks, I had a hernia that I never knew that erupted. So I got very sick. My pelvis popped out of place. I ended up the rest of my pregnancy on crutches, so I had to come out of work early. Then... Ouch. Yeah, I was rushed to hospital by ambulance and everything, and they had to do emergency surgery on me while I was pregnant. So. Oh my God. They, yeah, so cutting a long story short, <laughs> basically, I, I had no other choice but to have a cesarean C section because with a hernia, they put, um, they normally put a mesh in to repair it. So with me, because I was pregnant for the chances of the baby to survive the operation, they put stitches. So in order me to, in order for me to, you know, enlist that just in case that the stitches pop, I had no other choice but to have a cesarean section. I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. So that, yeah, so no, no two childbirths are ever the same or no pregnancy journey is ever the same. And that's no, what she, that's what she failed to remember when she said it's only uh, the women want an extra three months so they can have uh, coffee mornings with their friends and comparing baby buggies and things. Exactly, and uh, which is totally, totally, for me it's totally wrong with my experience, you know, like, I mean, after I had the baby, um, well, before I had the baby, I got also got varicose veins that popped out while I was pregnant due to the pressure of my pelvis and everything, you know, and the weight that I was carrying with the baby. So, um... Tough one. Like, and the second child, was that tough as well? No, this is the second oh, child. The, second. the first child I had, sorry, was 13 years ago. I flew through it. I was 20 years of age. I had the baby by cesarean section as well because she was breached. Um, like, I flew through it even afterwards. I didn't even need six weeks to recover. I was able, after the six weeks, I was able to even go back to work. I flew through it, you know. This time I'm 33, but I'm 34 in a couple of weeks. I had all those complications. Um and, like, f- and forgive me now, but at 13 months, um, should babies still be uh, waking up at night for a bottle? No, they sh- they sh- at 13 months, they should be sleeping through the night. 13 months, sorry, you did know? I say 13 weeks? 13. Like, at what, at, what, at what age do babies give up the bottle? Um, well, she's off, her, she's off her milk since 12 months. Like, you can give them formula milk up to 12 months, you know? So she's off her, since she's 12 months old, she's off her farm limit. And I mean, through my first pregnancy, my baby was, uh, my first baby was sleeping through the night at eight weeks old. You know, this time she's, this time my baby, she's also a girl, is 13 months old and she's still waking up uh, twice a night for a bottle. And she'd wake up more, but give her the dummy and she'd go back to sleep, you know. 
God, you must so, be exhausted then, are you? I'm absolutely wrecked. So I'm coffee wrecked. mornings are not on your list of uh, things to do? Not at all, not at all. All I want to, to be honest with you, all, all I would like is that I get a rest in the morning, you know. Sometimes I even feel like, or, you know, going uh, booking a night, going down the road to the Ambassador Hotel and from the north side and just booking a night for a break so that I can have a full night. I know, because, <laughs> You know, yeah, her I father know. is there and even when her, when her father does, uh, uh, when her father wakes up for a night, you're still waking up, you're still waking up because you can still hear the baby. You know, it's not it's a proper not a, night's sleep. No, and you no, haven't had a proper, proper night's sleep. sleep. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and then I'm back to work. Obviously, I'm. I'm Why don't you just give give the spend. give the kids to a relative for a, a weekend and just go away somewhere and sleep? I I wish I could, but with, with like with this with this virus and every everything, and I'm still at work. I know. Through this virus, like I'm, I'm still, I'm still at work through through the virus. You know, I actually lost my job before the virus, due to the virus, and I picked up another job straight away. You know. Lucky so, you, lucky you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I gave my like I gave my time to you know like I worked at I, you, you know I work in I actually worked in the Long Valley Bar in town, and I ended up um, going as a home carer. You know, caring for good the for you. I bet you enjoy yeah. that, do you? I absolutely love it, and that's my break. Is to go out and work for an hour here and there, helping the elderly. That's my break. That's the break I get. You know. So do you have clients that you visit regularly then, yeah? Yeah, I've, I've clients, yeah. I've, I've um, one or two clients there that I look after, you know. That's a great so, sense. Of, you know, that, I mean, I've, I've dealt with, with carers for, for many years. Uh, every one of them were absolutely super. They go way in. But you couldn't, pay, you couldn't pay carers enough money for the work they do, you know. No, yeah, the money the money is quite small, but the reward is the reward is what you get. The sense of leaving, knowing that that person is safe and looked after. But is, come here as well as, as yeah, it's a great feeling of achievement. But that must have been an amazing place to work, the Long Valley. I mean, what an incredible bar, what an historic place. Yeah, it was, and I mean, like, I mean, I only like I didn't lose my job. It's just that he closed because of the of course, yeah. the virus, and he's not open till the twenty the next month or this month. Sorry, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what? Yeah, like, yeah, so did you work there long? I worked in there for the last. Uh, I'd say the last four years now. Yeah, I'm working in the Long Valley. Yeah, uh, I work in the kitchen with another girl. Because so, I know the Long Valley's doing stews as well and things like that. And I had a fabulous stew in there last year. Oh yeah, yeah, fabulous show. Myself or the other girl probably cooked this. Where like myself and another girl, we oh worked in the kitchen it there. The real, it was the real old-fashioned stew. You know what I mean when I say that, with all of the veg in there and the pop and the lamb and everything. It was gorgeous. And the lamb, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it takes its time to cook it, but it's worth it. You know. Oh my God! It's, I can't wait to get back there. Any idea how many loaves of bread they go through there in a the day with all those sandwiches? Oh, it's it, like, jeez, and, and we, we could go through a day, and we slice it ourselves, we could go through about 24, 25 loaves. A day? If not more. <laughs> a day, yeah, a day, and you nearly double that in the weekend, like. So, like, you'd be talking, you could be talking about three, four hundred loaves of bread a week? Yeah, well, possibly, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a, but you know, you know yourself. You've been there, Neil. Like you had the spiced beef sandwich. It's worked it. Like I've had the spiced beef salad sandwich. I can tell you, and it was yeah, worth yeah. it. <laughs> I want one now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, when you're back, and when the Long Valley is back, we'll all be into meet you. All right. No problem, Neil. No problem. Cheers, Martina. Take care. Take care. Thanks, William. Lovely Thank stuff. You. The great Long Valley. If you haven't been there for a sandwich. 
probably the best sandwich you'll have in Cork, I'd say, in all fairness. Super, super place. Soup is good too, and the tea, and the, I know they do a lot of hot food as well, which is great. Uh, with regards to Kate, amazing Kate, it's well and good for her. I'm pregnant with my third baby, and everything is different. If getting back into a size eight is important to her, then I'm glad she accomplished her goal. For some, getting through the day in lockdown, keeping everyone fed and alive is an accomplishment. While exercise is the crutch for some people, chocolate might be someone else's support. Being a parent is the best and toughest job I've ever done. Don't put each other down. Don't listen to people that make you feel bad. We're all living our best lives. Cuddle your babies and be happy. Um, there's other texts and calls on this, but just one ahead of the head of the news. Just a, I have a point on the pregnancy issue. My daughters are now 22 and 18, and my wife was very ill on her first child, and she spent close to six months in hospital on and off, and about two months in hospital on the second child. She was dehydrated. She couldn't keep a glass of water down. She ended up getting injections, and although we were public patients, uh, her GP or doctor would come into her on a, on a lot of night shifts just to check in on her. He was magnificent. She had two C-sections. Thankfully, our two daughters weren't sick. But what my point is, everyone differs regarding their pregnancies. And one on the fast one regarding maternity leave. I went back to work last week with a 10-week-old, with a 10-week-old for my business to survive. If eating a packet of biscuits with a cup of tea helps me cope, then bring on the biscuits. Not everyone is in the same boat. And women should be supporting each other. I hate the criticism that women get. Uh, and that's the response to Kate's email that I read out a couple of times yesterday where she was saying uh, that women need to get over themselves and get back to work. Never mind looking for three months extra maternity. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Seems as if Barry Cowan's... Um, Drink drive conviction is is accurate from the point of view of the court. If a driver is a learner, a novice, um, or even a professional driver, they have a much lower threshold of uh, allowance for drink driving. So if you're a learner driver and you're tested, it's 20 milligrams for a learner driver. For a fully licensed driver, the lower limit is 50 milligrams. This is the alcohol blood limit, you know, 50 for a full license holder, but 20 for a learner. And he was just above the 20 limit by all accounts, and that is an on-the-spot penalty notice. So you get penalty points, you get a fine of €200, Euro, and you get disqualified from holding your licence for three months. That's for the lower-level um, offence for a learner driver. Now, when when the blood alcohol levels go up, everything starts to change, you know. When you go to the 50 to the 80, 80 to 100, 100 to 150, and 150 plus, like 150 plus where you're polluted behind the wheel of the car. Uh, well, that's... Um, um, three months, sorry, three years. Uh, and it can go to as high as six years for a second offence. You know, that's the kind of, so it goes from three months to uh, six months, two years, three years, and up to six years then for second offences. They're the different kind of periods for disqualification. But from what I just researched there, the last, the stats gave me the Barry Cowan fine and three-month period off the road, Looks to me as if it was the right, it was the right penalty for the offence. So that's the deal on that one. Um, meanwhile, with regards to drinking and pubs and parties and what have you, I've seen the videos coming out abandoned now this morning that were taken from people's cars, uh, videoing people on the street outside the house 
It's just nuts. It's just ridiculous. A lot of them went by bus down from Cork City. The Gardaí have the powers, you know, to raid pubs with a view to ensure that patrons are adhering to health and safety guidelines. But that's a step in the wrong direction, says Robert. This is about as far as we can get from what we expect when we voted for what we believe was democracy. Um, Gardaí having the powers to raid pubs. As an on-drinker and not a pub frequenter, I view such an imposition as deliberately undermining and out another punch in our shrinking freedoms. Are the cops now tasked with demanding we watch our health? Do they know more than personal GPs, for example? Uh, I went to a hotel today for a coffee and the man serving me asked me for my name and phone number. Naturally, I declined his directive, turned around and walked out. This is not the way to treat Irish citizens who've done nothing wrong. I heard the Taoiseach say on your programme that people gathering groups on the street had better behave themselves. This kind of lingo has the whiff of permanence about it. Start thinking about things, Ireland, while we are still allowed to. The cure becomes problematic, and more so than the disease. Um, That's interesting. I mean, fair play, Robert. Thanks for getting in touch. But you do know why they asked you for your name and phone number. It's not as if they want to check up on you or anything like they don't want to track and they want to track and trace the disease. They need your name and number so that if somebody in the hotel that you were in um, has COVID-19 and you were within a couple of meters of them, they want to be able to tell you about it. So it's not. Is that impinging on your freedoms? I I don't think so. If anything, I think it's the opposite. It's keeping you safe and free. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Okay, the whole maternity thing is 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 incredible. And I said that the that the Taoiseach has said he won't be found wanting in the matter, which is probably code for we will extend it and pay for an extra three months. But we have to wait and see what the story is on that one. I'll get back to emails and texts on it though. But a lot of calls. Uh, Elizabeth, good morning. Hello. Good morning. Um, Was there a protest? Yes. So yesterday, together with the National Women's Council of Ireland, we went to Leinster House yesterday to ask the Minister of Justice, the Minister of Social Protection and the Minister of Equality and Children to work together to address our request. It was very good to see TDs coming out to support and Mary Lou also came outside to speak to us and as you so later, she used her first question to the she bishop yeah, yeah. to address it. And so how many of you were protesting at Leinster House? I would say women, like moms and babies, were around 10. And then at some point, I think we were around 30 people with all the TVs and, of course, you know, uh, news people around it. It was raining a lot and still we were able to make okay. it. And are you in Dublin? Yes, I live in uh, the north of the county. So we went down the city centre to to join the protest. And why is extending the maternity benefit and leave important to you? You recently had a baby? Yes, my baby was born three weeks before the lockdown started. Mm -hmm. And I think, Neil, I can summarise this in two parts. Mm -hmm. The first one is we would like our babies to be able to catch up, to catch up on health checks, developmental checks, and trying to help them to... Leave those experiences that are very important in early days of a of a baby. Uh, most of our babies haven't been able to meet a family or even interact with the community. And the other one is childcare. Um, it's challenging for every parent childcare in general in Ireland. And after the pandemic, uh, we have reduced number of spots. And for babies, it's always difficult to get in childcare. So most of us, we have probably drawn a plan, you know, to cover the gap that we have for childcare with family and grandparents. However, that's not possible at the moment. Yeah. 
So I won't be able to go back to work and not having and having childcare. And I spoke time. and read out uh, messages from mothers yesterday who've had to give up jobs or they're about to hand in their notice because of this because they can't get childcare sor- 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 yeah. sorted and they recently had a baby. Yeah, yeah. That's really disheartening because, you know, I cannot give up my job. I love my job. I have a career. And a, I need my job to pay off. So I just had a baby. So we cannot afford as a family not having my job. Uh, and it is hurting because I think women in general, we contribute tremendously to the economy and the society. And the having to give up your job and your career or being that example to your children because you now have to uh, care for them because we don't have access to childcare. I don't think it's a society that Ireland, family driven Ireland, wants to. Uh, wants to give oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know. I know. Like you can't if you have like you have bills to pay, so you can't take unpaid leave or the, the, the most you can it. do is use up your holidays or something like that. Is it? I'm already tapping onto my holidays. Uh, from next week, I will be tapping into my holidays already, and that's okay. And I also heard about this parental leave that you know. It's there for us to use when we have an emergency with our baby. Uh, during the first 12 months. So I will need to tap into those as well. And hopefully nothing happens for the rest of the year because otherwise I won't have either holidays or parental leave available. Okay, okay. Well, you, you've, you've, you've laid out your stall very well. Although Kate has a different perception to all of this earlier in the week in her email. <laughs> you know, I mean... You... I, I heard you that day. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't like to give any time to that because I truly believe that wasn't a woman. And if so, I just feel compassion about the person that feels that way. There is a lot underlining on all those messages. So I don't want to... You don't think that that part of the maternity leave has anything to do with coffee mornings, comparing baby buggies? uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know you're laughing, but some people do believe that that's part of it, you know? Well, um, you know... (laughs) Maternity leave is not a holiday at all. <laughs> it's a beautiful time with your baby. They say it must be very challenging. I cannot tell you about coffee dates because I haven't had any. I was in a lockdown, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, comparing boogies. But you're not in. Um, you're not in lockdown now. You can go and get a flat white or a cappuccino with you know, friends yes, in there, and boogies and babies. And I will have that with it with my husband. Trying <laughs> 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 evolving out, and you know, comparing boogies. I think that's not really relevant. And if you're a working mom, that's not really important. Ah, come on. Tell me the truth now. Do, 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 do new, do new mummies get envious and jealous of other people's buggies? Like, like people do of no. other people's cars? No? No, I don't think that's in the, I'm, I'm going to talk about the, um, <laughs> gender here. I don't think that's in the women's <laughs> I don't really care about other people's buggies. I see the babies and I see other babies and I wonder, ooh, you know, is my baby doing what she should be doing by now? And that's my biggest concern talking about development. We haven't had access to the um, public health nurse other than one. So I don't know if she's doing what she should be doing. And, you know, millennial parents, what we do? We go online, we do <laughs> stuff. But that shouldn't be the way. So I don't know if I'm forcing my baby, you know, to learn to roll before or she learned and I don't know if she's late on that. I know. I no. know. There's no, there's no calendar to any of this. Is this your first child? Yes. There's no calendar whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'd be, I speak on behalf of myself and my wife when I say that if we had our time over, we'd listen to nobody. 
like not you know just go with the flow you know clearly obviously medics do what they need to do but all the other stuff will just <laughs> it'll just happen when it's ready you know thank you for that advice. I just I mean for, for what it's worth I wouldn't be stressing over you know what, what do they call them milestones is it yes the milestones <laughs> Stay away, you know, so stay away from Google. Stressing. <laughs> that's what's going back about the stressing. You know, um, I started to feel like anxious about having to go back to work and not winning my baby yet. I'm breastfeeding. So not even knowing how to do it other than the books, not having that support in breastfeeding groups is building some anxiety for me. I need to drop off my baby and crash when she's, she has access to it. But I'm not sure how am I going to do it? Do I need to express? Shall I be then working from home to be able to express? Is that easier? All of those things that, as you said, other parents probably can give you better advices and reassure you on the way you're parenting. I, I can't, I can't help you there unless, unless there are online forums of, uh, you know, other mums who've been in a similar scenario to you. Like, surely there are chat rooms and things for things like that, aren't there? Well, we started WhatsApp groups and I'm talking to women that I haven't met in person because of uh, the lockdown. So, it's, you know, somehow you are open, but still I would like to speak to one of them and, you know, have that support face to face. I'm a people person. Um, for me, that's very important. I'm not, even though I'm a millennial, I'm not. You <laughs> <laughs> see, like Google Facebook, no, so You're, you're apologizing for being a, a millennial mom. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so it's not about coffee dates, and right, okay. it is about helping our children to be able to catch up, to understand what, um, to know that we're doing the right thing with our babies, I and also you. to I be able you. to close the gap in childcare. But I think practically, that's the biggest one. I know the childcare is a big money issue because a big ticket yeah. issue because there just aren't all of the places that are needed. Listen, it's lovely mm-hmm. talking to you, Elizabeth. Congratulations Thank on the baby, and thanks time. for taking the call. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Let me get back to uh, the abandon issue, actually. Damien, good morning. Good morning, you. Um, are you talking about the, the house party down Bandon Way, is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, boating. Did, did you send me pictures or video or and did you see it? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I sent... It was actually my wife was down walking. We walked down there every day. Um, so, it's... Oh, it's been going on since last night, really. Groups of, you know, teens from, I suppose... 15 up to maybe early 20s. Yeah. Going yeah. down maybe six or eight of them at a time. But like you'll see, there could be four or five groups you could see going across the golf club. But Where are they going? Where are they going? They go down to the riverside. They're in front of the, where the castle grounds are. So they call it the old park where the, where the bridge used to be. I know it. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But like there's, there's cans everywhere. Like, look, I, I, when I was younger... I was a pup myself. Like, I, I partied, I went to raves and DJing. I did all that. But at the end of the night, you would try and, you know, clear up whatever you had there so you wouldn't spoil it for the next time. Well, they're wrecking the beaches now and it's, I've seen the photographs of them and they're on yeah. both the Examiner and the Echo are carrying it in quite some detail. Um, I went through all of the stuff they're leaving behind on beaches so I won't do it again. But it's from everything from a tent to everything else you can think of, you know, cans, oh, beers, no, bottles, like food, the, cases, boxes. Day after a, a, a big um, festival, you know, you see photographs and, you know, uncertain news outlets. But, but I'm getting the impression that this is, um, this is, these are people partying uh, in the castle grounds, but I had been led to believe it was a house party that we were talking about earlier on, people going in and out of... Yeah, I see that's what prompted me to call in. Like, the house party looks, it, it looked, I suppose, 
small in comparison to what's been going on all along. No, oh. like you, if you go down where they where they are, they, they'll be still there from the night before. We've gone walking dogs down there, and there's been kids passed out in the grounds. There's you know they're still drinking down there the next morning. The guards are passing up and down the road. Look, in fairness, the guards they can't go down there. It's private property. They can't drag them out of it. But it, they, they've been parking down there since since lockdown was announced. You could see them going down there. And is that the reason why you think the guards are not doing anything about it? Because it's on private land, even though there could be a chance that they're underage and they're drinking alcohol in public. Like, look in fairness, are you going to go into a bunch of young fellas that are boozed up and try and pull them out of us? And there's only one or two of you there? Like, the chances are, nowadays, with the kids the way they are, you're going to get a slap. You know, you're, 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 something's going to happen. And are they getting are they getting buses into Bandon from outside? Well, I, I did hear that. So I, no, I haven't seen the buses come in. Adrian but, says, I was getting the bus from Bandon and, and there were a load of youths. I know Adrian, yeah. I know, uh, I know actually know Adrian. Um, oh dear, he said, I was getting the bus from Bandon and there was a load of youths on the bus going down. The bus driver yeah. rang the guards and the guards were waiting in Bandon for them uh, and they left them off on their way. He says, sure it's a disgrace. Yeah. Look, look, what can you do? Are you going to supposed to do? Send them back back the road again on the bus? Yeah. I'm just going to get on another bus and come back again. Yeah, unnecessary yeah, travel. Yeah, like, well, I suppose unnecessary travel is gone now. We can travel wherever we want. So uh, maybe you're right. You can't, you can't send somebody back from where they came. No, but the parents can. That's my whole point. Do you know, what, why, why are they allowed? Do you know, if you've got a kid there that's 15, 16, 17, you're in the middle of a pandemic... It's not your kids you've got to worry about. It's the grandparents that they're going to bring back, you know, if they do have the virus. Yeah, true enough. Another one here for you, Robert says, my eldest was there and I've no problem with it. It was a birthday party they went down to and people who who were uninvited tried turning up. A lot of people uninvited turned up. Anyone with drink was turned away along with plenty of others who had possibly been drinking beforehand. I heard them all singing songs for a couple of hours after I finished work. They sounded amazing, in my opinion. It started from 3 o'clock, was over by 8. The parents did an amazing job in keeping it organised. That's Robert's text regarding yeah. this house party in Bandon that it was a, a fair, birthday yeah, party. Fair. I think Robert's his opinion, like, but, you know, the photographs and the pictures paint a completely different story. You can see throngs of kids around the place. They're all in groups. No sign of any, any, any guards or any parents outside or telling them to go away or disperse. So... It doesn't look like, you know, Swiss Family Robinson there, right? It's, Swiss it's Family sorry. Robinson. <laughs> All right. Okay, kid, appreciate it. And did you have a quick comment on maternity leave then? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, my, my, myself and my wife are actually affected by that as well. Um, our son, Paddy, was born two weeks after the full lockdown was announced. So, um, yeah, Anne hasn't been able to go to any, I suppose, breastfeeding groups. Any um, you know new mother groups, anything like that, um, and we've just found out as well. My wife was in um, childcare herself before, um, and they're not going to be accepting any six month new six month olds into the crashes going forward for the next foreseeable future. So that's so that's for working place. women, they could have to get, quit their jobs. Going back. What? what? Sorry, you broke up. What did you say? the 1950s Ireland again yeah yeah. Um, so you'd be, you, would you think three months would make all the difference I mean it won't make a blind bit of difference really even, even, even if we got just that extra month you know just a small bit where we can actually meet but 
family members. Like my, my father has only seen my son once because he's got an underlying illness and he's living in Skibreen. So we haven't even had that. You know, there's only so much you can do over Skype. You need to have that time. And it's not about going out drinking coffee and, you know, like that'd be the worst, worst nightmare is to go in. With she said she said it was about co- having coffee mornings with the, the other yeah. new mums and comparing baby buggies and look I'm ba- no. and, and showing off that look I'm back in my size eight jeans. Jeez, well, any new mother that can can, can do that is a champion in my heart. All right, you know, that, that's that's not um that that's not uh, that's not the way it is. Like it's um it's for me it's about. The families, the mothers having valuable time. And even, let's say, with public health, you know, the public health nurses and all that. He hasn't had all these proper checks. I know, yeah. I know. He's been weighed twice through a window. It's, you know, it blows your mind when you see what, you know, what, what he's had to endure. He's only a smart young fella. But he hasn't had the same, uh, I suppose, social upbringing as every other kid. No, because his normal is abnormal to everybody else. He hasn't seen. You make it no. Like, listen, I, I mean, I, I'm sold on it. You make a very good case for for the uh, for the extension. You really do. It's a, it's a lot yeah. more than what Kay was talking yeah. about. You know, it really is. Uh, yeah. Let's see what happens on it. But congratulations on uh, little baby party. That's the one. Thank you. That's the one is right. Fair play, Damien. Thank you. Uh, jo- Joanne says, "I'm a parent of kids with special needs. I'm happy to be healthy and alive for my kids." I think there's too much self-entitlement in this country. You should be grateful for what you have. There's plenty out there that have less. So that's Joanne's response to uh, mums looking for extra maternity leave. Are mothers whose babies are neonatal now having their maternity leave extended? It was never an option for me when I had my child. I spent seven weeks of my so-called maternity leave caring for my son through an incubator. That is not maternity leave. I would give anything back to be at home with my son cuddling on the couch for those seven weeks, if I could get them back. You might feel hard done by, but honestly, there is much worse situations to deal with now than spending precious time with your new baby at home. In fact, if you are, you're the lucky one. Enjoy those cuddles that you have right now. Uh, They don't say stay small for long. Well, they certainly don't. Nicholas says, I feel, I really feel for anyone who was on maternity leave over the last few months, and especially new mothers. it's such a hard time physically and emotionally and support is definitely needed. Surely many women suffered from mental health issues due to the lack of support during lockdown. It can be a very lonely time in general for mothers, not to mind having COVID-19 thrown into the mix. You know, you talk about people suffering. I got a handwritten letter sent in from somebody who clearly is struggling. Um, uh, a man who says he does his crying in the rain. He says, uh, hello, and my apologies to the gentleman because I have it a, a few days and I should have prioritized it sooner, but my apologies for it. But he says, I hope you are well and safe and your family and your team are also. But I'm writing to you in hope uh, that you read out my letter. So I might hear of someone somewhere or something that may help me beat this horrendous situation I feel myself in at the moment. Um, Now, I'm reading this slowly because it's no disrespect to the letter writer who clearly has, um, you know, very, very difficult um, issues to deal with at the moment and the writing will be quite difficult in part, so my apologies for that. He says, I, I'm a man in his early 40s with a young family and a great wife. That means the world to me. But I battle every day not to end my life. I cry myself to sleep every night only after I know my wife and kids are fast asleep. I cry because of the constant battle I have in my head to end my life. 
and be rid of all of the ill feelings I have. Um, I'm a hero to my kids, a man's man to my wife, a joker to my friends. I'm a leader among my teammates um, and I'm a coach to the kids that I've trained. But yet I'm a weak, pitiful crybaby when I'm all alone. I cannot talk to my wife or family about my problems over the embarrassment and disappointment I feel uh, I will put upon myself and upon them. I spoke to my GP and he only gives me medication uh, that I do not take. I do not sleep because my mind doesn't allow it. I overeat because it's comfort. I drink too much because the feeling I get from when I'm drunk helps me to forget and makes me happy for a few hours. But the next morning, the guilt... The depression, the anxiety, the shame puts me into an even darker place. I've tried to do online chats to talk with someone staying anonymous, but I can't find anything. I'm too much of a man's man to go talk to someone and too much of a loving father and husband to kill myself for now. I'm in a, I'm in a hole and it's getting deeper and it's getting darker by the day. I need help to keep on living, but I cannot seem to reach out. My motivation for life has been taken away from me and replaced by this dark cloud of depression and anxiety that keeps nudging me towards suicide, which would destroy my family and my kids forever. But I'm hanging on by the skin of my teeth and I don't know where to turn to or how I can beat this. I'm hoping if you read this out that maybe someone, somewhere or something might help me save myself from myself. Thank you for listening. A cork man's man who does his crying in secret. Thank you. And a little X. It's not absolutely, it's not absolutely heartbreaking. I want to pick up on that so I don't go away after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. So we're very interested to hear from people who have been through a similar scenario to this gentleman. Let's call him John. It's, a, it's unsigned actually. Um, but I think if I, I mean, if I were to say, and I hope that you are listening, I think you listen regularly and, and you know, I hope you're hanging in there. Um, if I were to say anything to you, I would say talk to your wife, talk to your family. Absolutely. Don't be at all worried about the embarrassment or disappointment they will feel. They won't feel it anyway disappointed in you. There's no shame in this. You're unwell. It's a wonderful thing in one regard that you've acknowledged and at least went to a GP and to look for help. And I'm not suggesting that you should or should not take the medication. Um, but the drink, um, you're hitting the nail on the head there. It might make you feel better in the moment or while you're drinking and while you're drunk. But the next day with the hangover and the regret and the guilt and the morning after and all this kind of stuff, you're in a worse, worse place. And of course, then you're on this cycle, this treadmill of more drink and, you know, um, more comfort eating and, you know, putting on the weight and you're sick all of the time and hangovers and depression and everything else. And, you're in an even darker place. But I think one one thing that you need to do is you need to sit down with your wife and just talk to her like you did in your in your email to me. I don't know where all this sparked from, underlying situations you were in or how this came upon you, but upon you, but you're not alone. And you know, um unfortunately, with loneliness now and isolation, more and more people are down. Um, and depressed. But it's nothing to be ashamed of. It really and truly isn't. We all go through dark periods. We really do like, and you know, in that regard, you shouldn't have any shame and you shouldn't feel that you're in any way different to everybody else. Um, I think that an awful lot of people have suicidal thoughts or a suicidal thought sometime in their life. And, and, you know, again, you're not alone in that regard. But the first thing you need to do is, is to share. 
you need to share. And I would think the first person to share your problem with is to the person that you love the most in the world, and that is your wife. Now, there are other people, of course, that can help. Um, and I know you say you spoke to a GP, but uh, a lot of the organizations that are there to help and are mad keen to help you, I can tell you, mad keen to help you. They don't do face to face at the moment because of COVID-19 and things like that. But the Samaritans are on the end of a phone all of the time. Um and by listening, you know, by talking things through and like they say that, don't they? That a problem shared is a problem halved. So just by talking to somebody and not keeping it to yourself all of the time, there'll be fierce relief in that fear. There, there really will like that now somebody else is aware of where you're at and they'll want to help. I mean, why, why, why wouldn't your wife want to be there for you and help? Of course she'll be there. So the Samaritans are on 116123. And when I was looking into this for you yesterday, and I went on to the different websites. I also noticed that you can email the Samaritans if you don't want to talk to them on the phone, although I suggest you pick up the phone, literally. But you can email the Samaritans and they will respond within 24 hours. So the kind of letter that you sent to me is the kind of thing, you know, if you want therapeutically to, to send that in an email to the Samaritans, they'll come back to you within 24 hours. And you'll have started the wheels of your recovery then, that first step. Joe, J-O at samaritans.ie and they will respond to you and they'll organize to help you you can call them on 116-123 aware is also available they've got a website aware.ie it's a 1-800 number 1-800-80-48-48 and of course Pieta House how could we forget the great work of Pieta House that's a Cork number 439-5333 so don't worry about that if you missed any of those numbers uh, I'll post them up on Facebook and on our Twitter page put together a little box for them and put them up at midday, the different numbers. But if anybody else has been through a similar scenario and maybe, you know, has advice to offer as to how you turned your life around and came back from this dark place with suicidal ideation, do get in touch. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie or text me, text 086-8104-106. But I hope if you're listening that today will be the day that you just say to your wife, come on, we'll have a cup of tea in a quiet room. I just want to chat. You'd be surprised. She may well know that things aren't right. She may well have an indication and will be very, very happy to hear from you and probably relieved as well that you share with them, share with her. So good luck on that and um, and do me a favour, do stay in touch with me and, and write back, will you? You can email our handwritten letters are lovely, so thank you for that. But um, I'll come back to that if people have more to offer on it and we'll post those numbers at midday today. Um, but Deborah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for holding on. Um, how's your dad? How's Tony? Um, he's very good. Uh, well, he's as good as can be. He's um, he's a very great man. He's very positive and upbeat, and he has a very positive positive attitude on his um, diagnosis. Okay, he's, he came up to his seventy seventh um, birthday there last weekend, um, and he was yeah. never sick a day in his life in all those years until when? Um, he was never ever sick really. My dad's always being the healthy one in the family, he did have um, a valve replacement years ago, but that was it. He was in note, and any time that he ever had to go to hospital, he'd sit at the side of the bed with his shirt and pants on. He wouldn't even get into his pajamas. So he's that type of man. He doesn't want to be sick, and he never is sick. But his bloods were a bit unusual last year, so they went and did a little bit of fishing, and they found that he had um, a tumor on his liver, which they operated on, on February. And they said once the tumour was taken out that he'd be okay. And he went back to the consultant and the consultant said, um, we fixed a big man and that was it. We were all happy and delighted and he sailed through the operation, even though it was a very big operation. And we were all delighted. And then the lockdown came and he had to go back to um, the oncologist because he was on some chemo tablet. 
and um, they found that it had spread um, very quickly and he had stage four cancer in his lymph nodes and stuff. So, um, but he's absolutely fantastically positive. Um, he's my two daughters are getting married next year and that's his main aim now for to keep him going is to get to the two weddings next year. I know, I know. So it's, yeah. he's, he's oh, a an awful man. thing, um, isn't it, to get a, the all yes, clear yeah. and then only months later it to find... It was an awful shock for our family, to be honest. Um, he's a dad to two, me and my sister, and he's a granddad to six grandchildren, and he's a great-granddad to two great yeah. grandchildren. And I bet he's been, he was cocooning for all those months as well with this he condition. He was, and that was driving him crazy because he could only go to the sitting room window and... Um, He'd lift up the window and he'd talk out the window to us and we are dropping off shopping and things. But we all thought, I, well, this, he'll be fine once the operation's over now, he'll be grand. And when he kind of sailed through the operation and came out the other side, we were all delighted. Um, but he's been very positive and the day he got his diagnosis, I picked him up from hospital and um, he goes, ah, sure, this is the circle of life. Is that what and he said? Yeah. And he says, this is the circle of life. So, and I said, but dad, I said, you're like, he's so young and he is very young minded and very witted and involved with us all and um, very kind, very funny, very clever man, a great sense of humor. And I said, dad, I said, I tell all my friends you're 25. And he goes, sure, I can be 25 for another little white can't I? You know, so he's great. He's great. And at the moment now he's getting chemo. So he's, um, He's going up to um, Brookfield to get the chemo because they took the chemo treatment away from the Mercy because of the COVID. I know, I know. So, um, and he, and he, he, yeah, so he's got the he he's staying positive throughout. You're saying, and you were you were telling mm-hmm. Brenda that he doesn't want, and this this may be even a quote. He doesn't want anyone to cry or feel sad on his passing. Did he say that? Yeah, he doesn't want anyone to be sad or crying anyway. Or he just wants us all to be happy and. He's he's right to my mom for fifty seven years and um yeah he he walks he brings the dog for a walk every morning down the passage and his little little friends down there and all the little doggies love him because he goes every morning with treats in his pocket so the dogs can smell him or see him from miles away and they all come running towards him and here um, comes Tony with our treats yeah 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 here he comes with the treats and they're all sniffing at the pockets and um. He's loads of friends from that little walk and he feeds the robins down there as well and the robins come and land in his hands. We have photographs of the robins feeding out of his hands. Um, so he's a great man and he's joke about getting his treatment now in Brickfield. He's, got, he's gone back to college as a mature student studying medicine. So. <laughs> Is that what he says? Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. He and really tell, me, fantastic. tell me this, was he born and reared in Passage? No, 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 no. no. He's, he's a blow-in, is he? Uh, yeah, no, they're living in Rochdown, but he just does the walk and passage. Oh, he walks down the beautiful yeah. line then, yeah. Yeah, and he's a very big Liverpool fan. He's a very big Liverpool fan. <laughs> so he's delighted there with the result last week. <laughs> I know. Listen, you just have to... So. He is right about the circle of life, isn't he? Yeah. You just he's have to... Brilliant. He just, is brilliant, yeah. You just have to not give up hope. Really, isn't it? No, and he won't. And that's what all the nurses and doctors have said to him, that like the chemo, once he can withstand the chemo, no, the chemo will um, give him extra time. Plus, his attitude will carry him a long way. So It will. 
Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. He yeah. is really, really Trying fantastic. to stay positive and not giving up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very yeah. important. Mind over matter sometimes with these things. Um, and it's been an ambition of his to visit Spike Island. Is that right? Yeah. Ever since it opened to the public, he keeps saying, I must go to Spike, I must go to Spike, I must go to Spike. And sure, then when all this happened, we said we must make out a list of things I would like to do. And Spike Island was mentioned a couple of times. So we rang and they had told us at the time that they weren't open until the 20th of July. But I think it's probably open to now, but we didn't even realise that. But um, he's he's been talking about going to Spike Island for a while, yeah. Well, let's make that happen for him, shall we? Oh, fantastic, yeah, fantastic. Because I have, um, there are four sailings a day, incidentally. So there are... Uh, reduced sailings, but it's open to the public from, it, it opened this week and is open right up until September. I'm not quite sure of the date in September, but um, I'm going to give you a family pass. Um, oh, fantastic. So that would, into, would, would for for four, would that be okay? Yeah, that's perfect. Um, and you, he'd need to allow maybe three or four hours. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Because there's so yeah, much to see. Yeah. He can take, um, he'd go on one of his good days and we can take, um, take it easy and take his time. Okay, well, I, uh, what I'll do is I'll get, I'll get Brenda to liaise with John Crotty so that at short, at short notice, right? And I'm sure John will be able to work this. At short notice, when you know, when do you know a good day? Is it on the day? Um, it varies week by week, Neil, because some weeks he doesn't get chemo if his bloods are low. Um, but then other weeks, He's got the chemo and he's okay. And other weeks he's got the chemo and he hasn't been great. So it kind of varies, you know. So we'd have to see what way he is. All right. But we can work that out. That's that's not yeah. a problem. But um, be, bear in mind that you need masks. Face coverings have okay. to be worn. They have to be worn anyway on the ferry journey. You won't need okay. to wear it on the on the island, but just for the ferry journey, you know. Okay. That's great. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Shane. So he'll really love it. He really will. It's a fabulous yeah. visit and you'll really enjoy and he'll it. He'll make the most of it, as he does with every situation. Well, just go, go and tell him that you've sorted it out. And, uh, yeah, he'll be delighted. He'll have some, he'll, he'll, my, my daughter actually entered him for the competition. So, um, but she couldn't take the call yesterday, so she well, gave my number. <laughs> she, she loves her granddad, in fairness to her. Oh, they all do. There's all right. six of them there now, and the two great grandchildren love them as well. Okay. okay, well, listen, let, share the news with them. Um, it's a bit of good news and it'll brighten them up, I'm sure. Yeah. It'll be delighted to hear. And, Hi, uh, and, uh, and we'll, we'll organise that when we get off the air and uh, pick a day and we'll get it sorted, all right? Okay, thanks, Neil. Not thank at you. all. Mind yourself. Thank thanks you. so much, Deborah, and bye, say bye, hi bye, to bye, your bye. dad. All right, thank you. Bye, bye, bye. take care. That's Deborah Colnan on behalf of her, her dad, wonderful fellow Tony from uh, Rochestown, and good luck with the with the treatment, you know, stay positive. And he's off to Spike Island with the family. Tony Hartigan, Deborah's dad. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Just a quick call, uh, and we'll squeeze in as much as we can in the last few minutes. Uh, Gemma, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? You're re- you're referring to that heartbreaking letter that I just read out from the the struggling dad. I am. I, I'm gutted for him. My heart is breaking for him. I suppose I don't know. Sometimes when you lose, even though you can have connections with so many different people in your life. You might sometimes need to form a connection with somebody outside of your circle, you know, just to be able to yeah. be. Yeah. And like when you're in such, a, he has to kind of maybe have to wrap his own head around how he's feeling before he can verbalize it to the people that are closest to him. I just want to say I'm available. He can have my number if it's another human connection that he doesn't know me. I don't know him. At his pace, just for an ear and to listen, 
then oh I know who I have now you're oh, Gemma really you're Gemma you work with that you're a qualified counsellor aren't you you're, you work <laughs> with addicts don't you I, I do but I, I just I'm not I'm not even speaking from a therapeutic point of view just one human to another I just feel so sad that he feels so alone and I'm, I just want to reach out and say yeah. I'm here I'm all ears if he wants to talk anonymously then I'm Available. Would you agree? Yeah. Would you agree that he shouldn't hold back and he should talk to his wife? I think I do, but I think if he is after getting himself into a place where he feels so ashamed and so embarrassed, that that's a hurdle in itself that he has to try to overcome, and maybe by talking to somebody that he doesn't know and be able to verbalize how he's feeling, might make that conversation a little bit easier for him. He's obviously convinced himself that he can't do that, even though any wife would throw her hands around him and say, look, everything is going to be okay, we're in it together. But unless he makes that transition that they're in it together, he's going to continue to feel alone. He might need a bit of support in even having that conversation. I know what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Here's my predicament. This is a handwritten um, letter uh, three mm-hmm. page, three pages long, with no name and no telephone number. Okay, so if John is listening, if he could contact the show for just my contact details, I'd be happy for him to have them. And I don't need to know his real name. He can just ring me. We can just talk and to form a connection with a human being who cares might be enough for today. Super stuff. Okay, let's hope he's listening and he does reach out. We'll talk again, Gemma, all right? Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for the offer. You too, you too. Okay, and that gentleman whom you're calling, John, can text 0868-104-106. We won't be sharing your information with anybody at all against your wishes, I can tell you that. For nothing. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I'll come back to this uh, that topic tomorrow, particularly if you have an opinion um, or a story of your own to share that could in some way help him and empower him to turn his life around. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Okay, table of four for Clancy's on Princess Street. This is you and three of your friends. A three course meal with a bottle of Moe champagne and cocktails. A very very good price. Um, it's based on three artists who have a connection with food and drink. Okay, so you need to identify artists and songs. Okay, so the singers and the songs in the correct order. They have a connection with food and drink. Lines are open. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Here they are. All right, one more time. All to do with food and drink. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six, and we have the Clancy's final voucher for four of you for dinner, three course meal, four of you with champagne and cocktails. Lot of the tourist attractions that have been closed for so long are reopening. We were talking with uh, Spike Island yesterday. This morning, I want to touch base with Sarah O'Shea, who's the Cork City Jail General Manager, um, and they reopened at the back end of June. She joins me by phone. Sarah, good morning. Morning, how are you doing? I'm well, and thank you also for the family passes that we'll be giving away later in the week. Everything open, but of course, I suppose things are slightly different because of coronavirus, are they? That's it, exactly. I suppose we had to kind of look at the business from two points of view, um, from the employee's point of view and our visitors. 
and as a result we've kind of made uh, some adjustments and amendments to our experience that we're offering. Um, we've introduced some hand sanitising stations around the building, um, one-way systems, also obviously increased our cleaning procedures and um, are doing our best for social distancing. All good. Are people wearing masks then? Um, no, it's, it's optional to be honest. Um, the building is quite large um, so we're currently not offering guidance. Okay, but you're following all of the protocols. Okay, fair That's play. It, exactly, and what yeah. I mean, I, I've been I've been there a number of occasions, although it's some years since, and so no doubt you're always adding and changing. But what's the experience like? Um, well, I suppose it, it gives you um, an insight into life of prisoners, warders, and the governor in um, the, ni- the late 19th and early 20th century. So we tell their stories, um, and then obviously last year we did some renovations. We've added a, a walkway around the perimeter of the jail that gives people more freedom while they're here and they can explore other buildings, not just the main jail building. There's the hospital and the debtor's jail as well for them to look at. Are they new additions? They are, yeah. It was um, wow. last January that that was, that was added. So it kind of gives people more more time in the in the actual jail itself. You and know? you know, with regards to those that visit, uh, are a high proportion of them Corkonians, or do you find that they're from outside, like tourists from other other areas? Um, it's a bit mixed, to be honest, Neil. Um, like at the moment, we have a lot of locals, uh, which is great. Um, but we are finding, you know, we have people from all over Ireland coming now. And um, in in the past years, we had a lot of foreign nationals, obviously, but that that hasn't. Um, Started yet, but hopefully in the coming weeks. I'd that, say kids. I'd say kids well. love it, do they? They do. Yeah, we we actually designed a quiz for kids, so when they go around, it kind of gets them more interactive. Um, so they get a little prize at the end then when they complete their quiz as well. Yeah, I mean, it's like jails are very historic buildings, but probably full of of stories in themselves seeped into the walls because in the 1800s, people were being imprisoned for all sorts of things, weren't they? Really, really, like almost inconsequential crimes that weren't crimes at all. That's it. I mean, one of our stories that we tell is about a a prisoner named Mary Sullivan. She literally stole a piece of cloth and she was in prison for seven years. So (sighs) that just gives you an idea of the type of stories that we do tell. They say it's haunted, is that right? Um, they say it is. I've been here for six years now and I've seen nothing. So uh, I think it's up to the person really how, how they feel about the place. But um, we, we do have a special ghost that comes every day to do her little, her her shift and then goes home in the evening. But go- yeah, she, doesn't, they, she, she doesn't stay overnight, I guess. She doesn't stay overnight. It's a kindly ghost. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. The, governor, the governor's office is, is, is a gem, isn't it? I mean, it's right stunning, down to the mannequin yeah. behind the desk and everything. Like That's the that's way it was. It, yeah. Yeah, we have actually, like before it was kind of barriered off that you couldn't go into the governor's office, you could kind of just look from the door, but we've actually opened that up to allow social distancing in the room. So you can actually go into the room and, you know, get a closer view of the governor himself and, and while he's at work, you know. Oh, it is so worth the trip. And you're encouraging people, if the weather is good, to bring a, a picnic, yeah? Exactly. We have um, picnic tables on site and we have lots of green space. Um, now that we've opened the back area as well of the jail. So um, bring picnic blankets, um, you know, make the most of your time here in the jail. All right. And people want to book themselves. How can they go about it? You don't actually have to book. Um, Better you can again. Just turn up and pay on arrival. Yeah. Um, so there's no need to, to pre-book. If you do want to book, you can through our website, but it's, it's just buying a ticket. You're not actually booking for a specific day or time. You open seven days? Seven days, 10 a.m. until 4.30 p.m. And do you have like a family ticket? 
We do. A family ticket is two adults and up to four children. How much? 30 euros. Oh, for God's sakes. Great investment in kids' education, entertainment. and Exactly, yeah. And I mean, we are a family-owned corp business, so we'd really appreciate, you know, our neighbours to call local communities just Cork people in general to get out and explore their own city, okay, you know. Okay, the old Cork City jail up on Strawberry Hill. Welcome back. Delighted to hear Thank it. you. And thanks for the passes as well, Sarah. Appreciate no it. We problem. give them away to families throughout the course of the week. Mind yourself. Cheers. Great. Thanks. thanks Sarah O'Shea, Cork City Jail General Manager up on uh, Strawberry Hill and open for business. Really, there are so many beautiful things to do, wonderful things to do. I know it sounds like Donald Trump in our city and suburbs and that's definitely one of them Cork City Jail and with a family passes for that as well as Spike Island Photo Wildlife Park and other places like that let me see if I can kill this one off here with a family well lunch for four people at Clancy's on Princess Street what have we got here we've got Angela Crowley and Toka good morning good morning Neil okay let's see if we can get you a seat at the table shall we yes artists and titles in the right order have a listen first What do you think? Okay, so Black Eyed Peas, Where is the Love? Uh, the Cranberry Zombie, Bananarama, Robert De Niro's Waiting. Well done. You got a table for four Yay. of you. Three course <laughs> meal, bottle of champagne. Amazing. Do you like the bubbles? I love the bubbles. <laughs> and cocktails. <laughs> Who's going to go with you, though, I wonder, to Clancy's? Oh, I'll bring my partner and I might bring my mum and dad because they've been kind enough for building a house at the moment. So we've crashed with our baby. Oh, you last. have to bring your parents then. You have we'll to do have the to right thing. All right. House well, crashing at the moment. Okay, well, listen, something nice to look forward to. Stay on the line. We get full details. You're off to Clancy's. The four of you enjoy it. Thanks, all right. Million. Cheers, Angela. You can book directly at Clancy's.ie. They're doing the business. They've got a fabulous roof terrace as well. Terrace as well, obviously, on the roof. I'm going to start tomorrow's program with shout outs because uh, it always gets away with from me. And so if you have emailed or got in touch or text or have sent me a message on my own Instagram page, thank you for those. We'll pick up on those in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.